Hi, everyone. Welcome to Office Hours. If you're watching on YouTube, you can find out more about what we do at officehours.global. Our first hour is general discussion about media production, and our second hour is usually something we want to spend a little bit more time on. And today, uh, we're doing a bit of a lab. So Chris Fenwick and I are going to be going through SoundDesk, Nano nano Controller from Korg, uh, Loopback, and talking about how to take control of your audio on your Mac. Um, and uh, Chris has a great video of that. You can actually watch it if you go to our YouTube page, Office Hours Global, and um, you can see a step-by-step walkthrough, but um, but we're going to kind of just go through it. I haven't done anything, so nothing is set up on my side so that Chris has to tell me what to do, and so then we'll, we'll, we'll work through this and talk through it and make it work. Um, and so anyway, so but if you've got questions, go ahead, and if you've, if you've looked at the video, or even if you haven't, go ahead and throw questions in. And then, um, and then when you watch the lab, of course, throw questions in there for the second hour. It should be a lot of fun. We're doing more labs. We're kind of taking the opportunity. We, we're using a new system. Um, if you uh, so the um, uh, so we are testing a new system that uh, uh, we had to take down our other system. We yesterday was the last day in thirty two ten. The whole place is clean, <laughs> and we walked out. Um, and so uh, well, our place is part of this clean. The rest of the place is a disaster. So, but but the um, uh, so we're uh, we're out and we're figuring out our next steps um, and. Uh, so we're using uh, a John Wallace's system, which is um, so it, it, it's kind of a, a good way. We get to ring out his system, and we have somewhere to go. Um, so so anyway, so we're going to be doing some labs over the next couple of weeks, and uh, we're pretty excited about that. It's playing with a new format and seeing what part of it we like and don't like uh, as we move forward. Um, anyway, let's go ahead and jump into those questions. Uh, if you have questions, by the way, you can throw them into Makana, or you can um, and, and vote on them, or you can use this little QR code right here, or go to askofficehours.global, and you can ask those 24-7. A lot of questions came in overnight. I think people are getting used to the fact like, oh, I can just ask a question anytime, and I don't have to worry about when Makana is going to reset or anything else. I can just throw those questions in as they come to you. So you can go to askofficehours.global any time of the day and throw those questions in and then we'll feed them into the system as we go. All right, let's go ahead and jump into those questions. Jason, what do we have? Ike Potter in Hanover, Germany writes, in Sound Devices released MixPre v9.0 firmware supporting two instances of the Noise Assist plugin, $300 an instance for the MixPre 2 series. A new plus two channel design, $79, is also available for the MixPre 3, 1, and 2, expanding their capabilities. Thoughts? Uh, go ahead, uh, Courtney. I don't think it's available for the <clears throat> Mix Pre 3 version 1 uh, because I just looked at the download and it says Mix Pre 3 2 and Mix Pre 6 2 are the only two things that are listed. So I'm not sure it'll work for the other things. The other things it adds is the ability to output time code on one channel and a mix on the a second channel on the uh, 3.5 millimeter output on that, so you can use that for sending time code and a reference audio to a DSLR over a mini plug. So that's kind of handy, which you couldn't do before. You have complete uh, slate mic routing now, so they <clears throat> you can now write route the slate mic fully to whatever channels you want, rather than having it just go to all the the record channels. Um, let's see, added some headphone routing. Uh, a knob, uh, changing the headphone knob to modify a couple of different things. And uh, I think it's crazy that they cost $300 to add one more channel of, of, mic, of, uh, of noise assist. That's crazy. They must be having to pay a royalty to whoever wrote that, and that's why it's so expensive. Go ahead, Mitchell. Yeah, Courtney pretty much covered uh, the important points. Uh, the question I have is, 
how do they manage to stuff all that goodness from Noise Assist into a box that was designed for one instance? I can only figure that the uh, software that uh, runs Noise Assist is much more efficient. Um, and also, as a reminder, and I think we both said it, but we'll continue, is that uh, all these additional uh, capabilities come with a cost. Uh, the plugins cost more, 300 You just heard it. Um, and also adding two more channels, $79. And the uh, the update is free. And my question is, how easy is it to update a mix pre? It's actually pretty easy. I will say that um, yeah, you load it in. I mean, it's you load it into a – I don't know. I, the way I do it is load it into a card, put the card in, and, and then run it. And you can – it takes a minute to, to do that. Yeah, go ahead, Bill. Yeah, I wonder if they have an FPGA in there, a field program at a gateway that you can – Yeah, so you can reprogram that to add new capabilities. That's one of the advantages of that technology is that it's updatable. I mean, you know, if you are a serious soundie and you want to make this your living, I can't think of a better unit. I mean, the, the primary unit is about $1,000, so then you get two instances of this, another 600 This is something for a serious player. I don't think if you're sitting at your desk and you just want to do something like office hours, that's a pretty hefty lift for that. But it is a fully professional, fabulous piece of gear, and if you need to do field recording uh, at this level with that many channels, and that's your limitation, then I can't think of a better solution. Go ahead, Courtney. And I'm curious... Uh... I think maybe what they did, because sound of that that particular mix, the mix pre series always was fairly uh, power inefficient. It ate through batteries like crazy, and I'm wondering if they found a way to optimize their A to D conversion to use less power and be much more efficient, use less code, and that way maybe that's how they eked a lot more performance out of the same chipset, uh, which they couldn't do before. So they may have rewritten some of that original FPGA code for the A to D converters to get it uh, to be able to handle, uh, you know, enough to do two channels of noise assist at the same time. Because uh, before, I was told before it could only handle one, the, the chipset could only handle one. But so maybe they did a little magic in the code to go back and rewrite some of that. And I'd be curious, I don't have a, a version two, I'd be curious for you people that have them to see if the uh, battery life improves with the new version without adding the extras that are available as plugins. Yeah, I I, uh, I think it has to do with branch, branch prediction and speculative execution. You have no idea. I I, I, I was going to say that. That sounded so good. Just <laughs> like buying into it. I got some things to look towards. I was talking to Andy Andy Carluccio yesterday about how the dynamic caching was working um, for um, uh, for the why how how what dynamic caching was for the Mac and and for Apple and what and and he we're we're still trying to figure. I mean, they haven't said what it is, but but Andy said that he thought that it it, it was connected to. Uh, branch, you know, <laughs> branch prediction and speculative <laughs> execution, and and I just love those words so much. I feel like I need to use them every day for a little while until they become kind of natural, and then I can just. I think they're the kind of thing that you can just That's say correct. lots of times. Like, and there's a lot of things when people say, "Well, I don't know why this is working." You say, "Well, I think it has to do with branch. It's doing some. It's it, you know, we're we're basically looking at branch prediction, and through that branch prediction, uh, some speculative execution that's going to make it a lot more efficient." I mean, isn't that a great word to say, talk about with a client? <laughs> I think uh, I think speculative execution is the law down in Texas, isn't it? Yeah. It's very <laughs> so, close to confabulation, yeah, so, so but anyway, not quite yeah. there. Yeah, so anyway, so, yeah, confabulation. I think, I think that is actually the confabulator. Oh, man, that, that really fits us. Branch education. Our confabulator for, for uh, 4.5 uh, adds branch <laughs> – <laughs> branch prediction and speculative. Hey, confabulation algorithm. Man, 
The problem is you're almost adding too much truth into the confabulator. Yeah. Um, you know, so um, anyway, that's uh, yeah, go ahead, Chris. You just have to add the word a little NLP. Add the word clearly before you say that. Well, clearly, <laughs> this is clearly, it is, because then you're stating that it is obvious, and if I don't understand it, then I don't want to admit that I don't understand it because it's so easy for to understand that you're saying it's clearly the Brent's confabulator or whatever you said. Yeah, and, yeah, and the key NLP is to makes it better. Uh, the key is grab their elbow while you're saying it clearly. That's 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 that's, that's full NLP. <laughs> all right, all right. Next question. Chris Widener in Lafayette, Indiana, writes in, a partner says we'll get a copyright using an image on a website and uh, the source image from traffic and plows and, uh, sorry, plows and traffic cam. Who's right? Use, is it okay or not? Go ahead, Jeff. I love this question because it got me, it, to me, it seemed obvious, but I checked and, and I spent way too much time on this website. Y you know, first, it, the the question is always, what are you going to use it for? Are you using it for commercial purposes or something else? You know, if you're using it for a school book report or something, no problem. If you're using it as part of a commercial service, um, then you start talking about it's likely a problem. But the funny thing is, I mean, if you look at the the website, uh, we get images like these, and they're wonderful. And and even if we back out uh, of this, I mean, on on this website, which is their Department of Transportation for Indiana, I could not find a copyright notice anywhere. I could not find anything that governs the use of it. You, you look at their privacy policy, it just goes back to this page. So, um, you know, it depends what you're going to be using it for. I always do like to err on the side of caution and reach out to them. Uh, I doubt you're going to find anyone, at least on your first question, that will really know the answer to this. So you just kind of have to determine um, what the risk is based on what you're going to use it for. But, but I don't see anything governing the use of it. Go ahead, Jeffrey. Yeah, I totally agree on that. I did a lot of the scouring, too. Uh, the Indiana Department of Natural Resources puts out a web page that has a whole bunch of pictures that are taken by professional photographers, and they have a terms of service, they have a copyright notice on there, uh, at, where you can contact them to get information to, on how to use these photos in a licensable manner. Uh, as for this one, these are just random pictures that happen uh, and they'll be replaced by other random pictures. They'll, it'll, it'll be way too hard to really try and, and figure out who's using those pictures. Plus, a lot of government uh, imagery uh, is usually in the public domain unless stated otherwise. As Jeff said, I also uh, scoured for a copyright or terms of service, and I didn't find anything on that page. Uh, go ahead, uh, uh, Courtney. Yeah, lawyers can probably hold you accountable for copyright infringement, but as far as the bots go, if you're going to get a copyright strike from YouTube, these most of these live cams, I don't think, uh, are entered in there. Anyone who puts a live cam up and finds you rebroadcasting their live cam on your site can can issue a copyright strike, uh, and they will pull it down, pull you off the air. Uh, but uh, I don't think the bot is trained on live cameras. Obviously, since it's live, it can't be in its database to check for copyright infringement like it can with it, all of its other music, is it? 
It can actually. Really? Um, you know, so yeah, yeah, the um the that was actually I think added for a really large company that doesn't like people streaming their no, I think shows. Apple so, launched those strikes so, against people that were restreaming. So you can't, you can, you know, so the system will uh, will definitely um, can see it during live, but these cameras are not on YouTube. They're on they're on their own system, so they wouldn't be in part of the YouTube eye. Uh, go ahead, Bill. I think it depends on whether it's a derivative or it's the original. If it's original, if this is coming directly from the cam that's run by the government, you should have no problem because that's pretty much public domain. If somebody has embedded that in their website and added additional material on it, then you're going to run into problems because if you're scraping the whole thing rather than just the original image, that will have a copyright protection on it, particularly their design and the rest of that. So if you can find the original source, you should be golden. If you can't find the original source, you're going to have to negotiate with whoever has the website that you're scraping it from. Yeah, go ahead, Chris. Two phrases I would avoid when uh, talking about the law would be should and pretty much. I'd be careful, Bill. Um, one thing I do know is that for example, NASA, there's a lot of really amazing imagery that's available from NASA because it was paid for by our tax dollars, and it, and it is in the public domain. And as long as you know how to go find it, you can use it. You're, you're welcome to use it. Uh, the problem is, is that, a, and, and this very much appears to be, oh, this is, you know, done by the state of Indiana, probably paid for with taxpayer dollars, probably uh, available. However, a lot of governments... Uh, contract stuff out to big companies, and you, we have no idea what the relationship is between the the that webcam company and the state of Indiana, and they may have some sort of uh, back end, you know, copyright provision. So you can't just say, "Oh, it must be public domain." I, this is this is a really interesting qu question, Chris, and uh, you should you should talk to somebody smarter than us. But it seems like there's a good argument to be able to use it. Good, Mitchell. Yeah, Chris brings up a good point because uh, I, for some reason, I'm like the king of 3D Earths here, uh, where I work, and I have to map a uh, um, a landscape and clouds and things like that onto a planet. And obviously, I go right to the NASA website, and the bigger the better. So it's at least 4K, and there is a provision on the NASA to give uh, credit where credit is due. The question is, if you're going to get sued, and you could get sued for any reason at all. They have to prove intent, and that's the tough one. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that, um, yeah, we're not lawyers, so we're you know, so do, we're not giving you legal advice. I know, I know, that sounds crazy, but uh, and even if I was a lawyer, they'd say I'm not going to give you legal advice until you come, <laughs> you know, and talk to me about it. But, uh, but what I will say is that um, I think you have that your client probably has plausible deniability in the sense that. It is paid by tax dollars, and in general, they're not going to take you to court. They're going to call you and say, stop using it. Like, you know, they're not going to, like, take you to court over that, and no no judge is going. I mean, I'll, I, I probably overstate this, but no judge is going to take this seriously. Like, you know, you're taking traffic cams and putting them out there just going to be like, oh, my goodness, why are, we, why are we here? That's what they're going to say. A judge is going to sit there and go, why are you wasting my time? You know, like, and I've been in those courtrooms, like, when people take on silly things. And so, and the state doesn't have enough time to, to deal with this. I think the chances of you getting into a copyright are almost zero, but not zero. Um, and I think that the, the most likely thing would happen is someone from the state would call you and tell you to stop doing it. Um, the other option that you can do that if you just want to be, if you want to cross all your T's and dot all your I's is call the state. Just call the people who, you know, figure out who's, who's running those cameras and say, hey, can I use those cameras for this? This is what I'm going to use them for. And, and 
they'll probably just say okay, or the or they'll say there's nothing we can do about it. You know, so so I think that if you want to be super careful, do that. Otherwise, you can ask for forgiveness later. No one's going to do anything. I don't think, um, and, unless you're doing something horrible with them. Like if you're doing something that is completely a perversion of the of the cam- the cameras, you could get yourself in trouble. If you're doing it as kind of an added service or something that you're adding to it, I think the chances are very very low that you'll have any issue at all. Um, next question. Samuel Nordvik in Norway writes in on the Apple behind-the-scenes footage. It looks like they have a follow focus connected to the iPhone. Any idea what this device is, and are they pulling focus on a phone camera? Go ahead, Bill. Well, yes and no, probably. I mean, if it's internal to the camera, and that's the lens they're using in that particular no, shot, no, I don't I, know. I, I, I'll just correct but you they, before you go too far. They are controlling the focus of the Blackmagic camera app. That's how they're. That's exactly what they're doing. There, it is. It is. They're pulling focus. That is a. Um, it's a tilta nu- neutron, um, or neutro nu- nucleus nucleus nano. Uh, nanonucleus. But it's a nucleus. It's a. It's a. It's a tilta nucleus, and it is connected directly. I mean, it is controlling the black magic software directly. It's. It's a. I only know because of all the things they showed in the behind the scenes, the only thing that impressed me was that. Like, like everything else was like, yeah, I get it. I get it. You put the camera on a thing. And everything looked normal. And when I saw a follow focus controlling the app, I was like, what are they doing? You know, like, like how is that even possible? So I, I spent solid time researching that after the thing, after I looked at the behind the scenes. Cool. So, so that is a, it is a, it is a, it's a nano, um, Tilta makes this thing and it's got little motors but somehow they figured out how to tie that in. So so it's tied into the black. I mean, what they shot this whole thing on the black magic, the black magic camera software. So this is um, and now we're starting to see how powerful that black magic camera software is, especially when it's free, you know. Um, so but it's 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 tied in. I don't know how to do it. I'm trying to get a hold of one of those those tiltas so that I can. Um, I, it's just expensive. It's like. I mean, I would have thought a cage adapter with a geared lens, but mm. that, that sounds fascinating. So great yeah, that yeah, you yeah. did the extra research. Yeah, it's it's crazy that they did and that. Are uh, you talking about the Fizz, the uh, handheld remote focus zoom? Yeah, they have a they, yeah. It's, typically, it's a, it's that, that controls yeah. geared lenses. Yeah, this, but it, and it's yeah. got a gear like the Tilta normally comes with a gear motor, but in this case, it's um, it is a uh, they've they've tied it directly to the Blackmagic camera app um, on the phone. The Blackmagic camera app is just running down the path really fast uh, as far as taking over this market. Go ahead, Jeffrey. Well, everything that was said was going to say I was a black camera magic uh, camera app, but we don't know. Don't know if this is a current app or if this is going to be a future app, and that's going to be the uh, that's going to be interesting. Well, this is the... it's going to do an update to allow you to uh, other phones to do that. So we'll see what happens there. But uh, there's I, I'm going to put an article into Makana uh, that has some quotes from John Carr, who's the pro video workflow specialist at Apple, uh, and how he, everything that was connected up to that iPhone uh, and how that uh, whole workflow worked. Go ahead, Courtney. Yeah, I'd be interested in how they engineered that interface between the follow focus and the app. Maybe with them, there's an API out there that lets you mm-hmm. send control codes to the app uh, yes. somehow over Bluetooth or something. Right, but I think thought, how well, maybe they, they have to use a real follow focus. I mean, that is such a precision skill but to be able to nail focus. I thought that, I saw that's be crazy a code. speedo cable, you know, like the remote mm-hmm. cable access running over toward the front of the I was wondering if that's connected to a pot or something 
somehow, but I was thinking maybe if you just connected that speeder cable to a little rubber finger that goes up and down on the touchscreen. <laughs> no, yeah, it's, it's yeah, exactly. No, I, yeah. I think it's, it, it definitely looked like it was just direct control. Um, and we'll see. I'm, I'm sure that it will be available on the Blackmagic app within, you know, if it's not available now, it'll be available within the next two weeks because they've already figured out how to do it. Um, and Blackmagic doesn't usually hold back on things. I mean, I think Blackmagic is looking at running the, you know, running the table with this app. Like this is not, if you look at the de the depth, I've been playing with the Blackmagic app. If you look at the depth of that app, um, they're not messing around. Like this isn't like a, like, let's dip our toe into this. This is, this is the app you will use for doing production. Like it is, you know, on your phone, like this, and that's what they're going after. I feel really bad for Filmic. Filmic has been a friend of ours, but I don't know how they compete with a free app that has this much, you know, and especially when Apple's showing it in there. Um, I mean, that would have been Filmic a year ago, you know, like that they that they showed them using it. And the, and the problem is they have a company that understands all the hardware stuff that they need to understand as well. And so for the, they're going to they're, they're going to tie this phone. I think that I think Blackmagic understood that there was a opportunity with this phone because of the all the ProRes and the you know all the other things it can do. There's an opportunity to take this phone to another level, and they are leveraging it like it is. It is um, it's kind of incredible to to look at. There is there's an article um, that you can read, and there's also the behind the scenes video. I'm thinking that I'm going to probably do a video of it because I haven't seen anybody else really break it down in a video uh, because there's. The article leaves some stuff out that I noticed. The videos that have analyzed it have left stuff out that I noticed. Um, there's other things like that. So what I think we're going to do is probably do an after hours. I'll put a post out either probably today. Uh, we're all just going to sit around and go through the video and try to make a list of everything in every frame <laughs> that we that we noticed. So that and then we'll just I'll just do a a, a write a, you know kind of a markup of the video and list literally list everything that we can see so that you understand what, what everything that's there. Uh, go ahead, Chris. The other thing that the Blackmagic app, uh, phone app, does is it becomes almost like a gateway drug into the whole Blackmagic yeah. universe. I mean, if, yeah. if you're an I, I'm going to guess there's more people that own iPhones than Blackmagic switchers. I don't know. I, it's, it might be close. <laughs> <You think? laughs> At any rate, uh, let, let, let's assume. Uh, but, but, but it's like, it's like, oh, what is this? Let's take a closer look at this. But yes, what you said about the fact that they understand the rest of the hardware makes it a much more powerful well, app. And the fact that you're going to be able to record on your phone. And as you close the re record, it's uploading it. And someone else can be in Resolve watching those clips just show up in the thing. When it comes to news gathering, uh, event coverage, that's what we were going to do for New York. We were doing all this research around it was I mean, what we will do for Vegas is that a lot of the phone coverage that we do it's just driven back to that, you know, that system, you know, it's, it's an amazing, you know, edit backhaul. Like it's, it's really interesting. Um, next question. Jeff Cohen in Miami beach, Florida writes in the office, the awesome office hours recommended teleprompter app is launching cloud prompter today for teleprompter use specifically any experience with the pros and cons of an installed app versus the web beyond the cloud general of computing pros and cons. Go ahead, Mitchell. Yeah, Jeff, that's a cool app. Um, it lives out on the uh, on the cloud and on a website. And the cool thing about it is you can upload your um, your text for the teleprompter read and download it at the other end on your teleprompter at the other end uh, using as long as it has a browser connection, it works and you can control it. Now the alternative would be um, it would be a hard uh, hard piece of software that runs only on that particular device and it has nothing to do with the internet. Um, you'd have to remote into that particular unit, and that 
of course, that text would have to already be there. But here's the problem, one of the problems anyhow, uh, is that if you're working with a company like a pharmaceutical organization or a corporation, uh, they're not going to like their text uh, describing their uh, process or device uh, over the Internet uh, controlled by anybody. And if it's a live situation, um, if somebody were able to hack that, they could really mess something up. So that's the only downside I see for it. I love the fact that you can uh, key it over top of the live video at the client side, which is a nice little uh, addition to it. Go, Jeff. And I didn't have a chance to dig back, but I, ever since uh, it was recommended a couple times, have the the desktop client, the Mac client, installed and just use it directly, uh, even sometimes for voiceover. Uh, but And I could have sworn it actually has some degree of remote control, and I don't recall if it's actually inserting the text into the teleprompter or just controlling the scrolling of it. There you go, Bill. Yeah, I, I agree uh, with what Mitch said, particularly about the security aspects of it. That'll make it a non-stutter in some circumstances. The other thing is just latency. I don't know. Every time I've teleprompted somebody, and we probably should have Courtney weigh in on this because he's so skilled at this, um, the teleprompter session, particularly with someone who is not a performer by nature, can go south real fast, and you have to be really reactive to their mood. And, you know, if they, they start getting frustrated, and it's like, go back to two. And if you take more than a reasonable amount of time to go back to two and get them there, they start getting more confused. So I, I think there's a place for this, and I'm looking forward to playing with it. But I'm, I don't think I'd completely rely on it for professional teleprompting work quite yet until I'm proved that it's the latency is as close to zero as possible. Go, Courtney. I haven't seen this app. I'm not sure what app you're talking about a link would be appreciated uh i wasn't i didn't hear that dis office hours recommendation or discussion uh so i haven't evaluated it but like bill says the latency is very important especially if you have someone with bad eyesight so you have to make the text very big you know on a on a smaller teleprompter uh then you're only seeing you know maybe five or six words at a time and if you're off in speed anywhere, you're going to get the people stuttering or the text is going to go off the top of the screen before they've read it, uh, and it's going to be a problem for you. So uh, latency is very important uh, in a teleprompter, and I'm not sure how much latency this thing has and whether it just is sending. Whether it's sending graphics of the scrolling text itself as graphics or is it just sending control codes, downloading the script and rendering the script locally on your computer at the destination and then just controlling the speed up and down position. So there's two different ways to do that. And both of them involve latency. One involves probably a little, a lot more latency than the other. Go ahead, Chris. At the, at the beginning of my career, I did a fair amount of teleprompting on paper. Uh, we had the good stuff. Uh, and because of COVID, I've actually done a lot more teleprompting in the last couple of years. It's weird. Uh, we, we do it over, uh, you know, just over Zoom. Uh, I'm interested in this, but but as is the case with a lot of, um, hey, we're getting into a new technology thing, people think about the best case scenario. I have a script. I send you the script. I roll the script. You read the script. We're done. The problem is teleprompting is is a little bit like uh, making sausage. There's a lot of, oh, wait, stop. Okay, hold on. Can you put a line break in there? Make that bold. And like, can you do that? infinitely fast can you do that in real time if it means oh i have to save a file i have to push a file you have to acquire the file we have to sync the files and now we roll the 
no way because you're always in my opinion in my uh experience you're always editing a script right up until the director says cut we got it We're, that's a wrap with the that exception of, of live live tv or live of course streaming. yeah of course yeah go ahead uh, jeff and Courtney, you know, raised a great issue, one of my pet peeves, and a PSA for marketing uh, folks, having spent years at advertising agencies. To Courtney, the, the product is called Teleprompter. So marketing people, don't call your product. How just could you ever the, register that trademark? The thing, okay? Um, and uh, what's the other one you guys always talk about? It's controller or, or what? There's a couple where their name is the thing. No one can find you. You know, maybe if he searched teleprompter app in quotes, maybe, but search teleprompter. No, I mean, I mean, I just, I just, uh, I just searched cloud prompter and got. I think what I'm, I think I'm looking but at what it is. Your Google results are going to be skewed based on your search history, so. Yeah. So um, a couple things that I uh, looking at it, um, the transparency is interesting. Um, I think that's interesting. I think that the cloud is interesting. The biggest problems we have with remote teleprompting is um, over Zoom, Zoom's um, uh, it's a long gop. So basically it's a long group of frames that goes in between. And what happens is, is that we end up with some bumping every once in a while in the, in the tele, in the, when the teleprompter is running because of the nature of the text and, and the video, it's not as smooth as a regular teleprompter, and that makes a big difference when you're reading it. And so we have found that when people get the remote teleprompt, and so what we what we got into that that worked better was a screen capture of so our teleprompt operator is coming in over Zoom, but they are screen controlling the teleprompt remote system so that the playback of the teleprompt is local to the to the um, you know, so for the teleprompt operator, it's a little jumpy because they're seeing it, you know, there, but it, but they're they're seeing it through the screen capture, but it's perfectly smooth for the person reading it, which is which has made a big difference in in how that how that works. What I see this is doing is potentially, if it works well, it removes that need of us doing this weird back and forth where I can load that up. Yeah, you're gonna say something, Chris. Yeah. Uh, are you seeing that jitter as a screen share or are you taking the prompter feed and turning it into a webcam? The prompter feed is being turned into a webcam by the was being turned into a webcam by the remote um, uh, the remote teleprompt operator. And we just see it. It's just not perfectly smooth. And it's yeah, it, it's, it's not, not that it's but yeah. but when you do it locally it's perfectly smooth and it makes a difference mm -hmm. in how to read it. Like when I'm reading them, I, cause I, what happens is before we do, before a, a talent sits down, if I'm there, I sit down because I've done a lot of teleprompt, I I'll sit down and just have them do it and I'll read through the whole thing and I'll go, Oh, that's weird. This is weird. So I try to fix all the obvious things that the talent would have as a teleprompt person, a person who's read a lot of teleprompt. I'll sit there and try to get through all the obvious things, maybe even things that, the, that a, talent that hasn't done a lot of teleprompting wouldn't even notice like it's better to have a, a, a line break there it's better to have a space here it's better to have they won't know that but i do i know that that's the way you want it to, to deliver that and so so anyway so i go through that whole thing and i just know that it's harder for me it was the reason we changed the process is our clients never complained about it they didn't notice that they didn't know the difference but I did. <laughs> like, and, I, and I was like, it was driving me crazy that it was bouncing just a little. It's just like, you know, it's just doing this little, t -t 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 
this little frame thing that that bothered me. And I, as someone who's looked at a lot of local teleprompt for a long time, so if this fixes that, that's great. The concern I have with it, looking at it, is that the way that their screen capture is of of their own product tells me that they don't know how they don't use teleprompter. They're not professionals doing teleprompting. They have no margin. There's no margin on the on the on that on that text. It's like. What are you doing? You would never, ever, like never, ever um, have no margin, like have it go all the way edge to edge. I mean, we always pull it in at least a little. They're having it go right up to the very edge of that of that process. And I don't, maybe Courtney will argue with me about it, but I'd, we never do oh. that. We always margin it out a little bit. I mean, like there's nothing. They're going right to the line. Um, and so I, I to, to me, that seems like, uh, yeah. yeah, so it, it, it seems Sorry. like it, the, at least the one I'm looking at, it's going right to the edge. And I was just like, I, that would make me crazy. Um, yeah, you can see more, you can see much more margin on the one that Courtney's showing. I don't know if that's the same. Yeah, that's, that's from their right. website. Uh, oh, okay. it, it's well, running a in a one. browser. So I imagine uh, you could you probably make, make the it, adjustment. It's just that you could adjust you would, it so it's inside the, the margin. What Courtney's it. showing is a little bit more normal. But, but I guess my whole thing is, is that what I looked at, I was like, oh my gosh, like who took that, who took that? That screen capture definitely not someone who's done it. You know they have the they have the the the, the arrow over it. And I, the only reason I say that is that this this is a like when I see people post stuff that is technically wrong on their own website about their own product, I go, oh, it doesn't mean that it's not going to work. It just means I bet you there's going to be a lot of weird things that you didn't think about if you weren't a prompter operator. <laughs> you know, like like it's like you know because you're not you know the Courtney's looks a little bit better. I wouldn't. Yeah, that way, but, I mean the problem with not, this is the text is so small. Yeah, you know you'd like, have to be right on top that of that thing. If you're ten feet away from that, you'd get yeah. a lot of complaints. Uh, yeah, so so it's interesting. I'm going to definitely play with it because I mean we are we're always looking for a remote. You know we still hire a lot of, and again it comes down to how many how much display control do I have? Um, how smooth is the delivery? And and how quickly can an, a teleprompt operator edit it? Because all those things that were mentioned before, you know, have to be there. And so we would test those things to see. And then I, I would say that I use a thing called Smart Prompter or Prompter Smart or something like that that is AI and it just listens to me and I, it just rolls while I talk. And it's because I do it by myself. Um, and um, I find that easier than using my own foot pedal, <laughs> you know, it's just to let it run. Um, and, uh, so, so I, I think that they're probably going to want to add that somewhere in the future. Yeah. Go ahead, Courtney. Yeah. And looking at it, this looks primarily like it's designed only for remote, uh, applications. So using right. it locally would be problematic. And what it, it seems to be, what it's doing is it's generating a web page in the cloud, which is hosting your, your teleprompting software on it. And you as the operator, access that web page and the destination access is the same web page in the cloud and you're just controlling the controlling speed so you're both watching the same web page rendered uh, in the cloud so it would if there's any kind of late, latency may vary depending upon your internet connection so if you've got a dicey internet connection it could get jittery or stuttery yep. so that would be the main problem it seems that's how it's working supposedly it's not transferring the text Anywhere, it's just transferring the image of that uh, web page is coming down. You're you're both going to the same website and viewing a web page that is hosted in the cloud by them somewhere. I will see. So we'll, we'll test it. It looks interesting. Next question. Douglas Carmichael writes in, I'm transferring my personal domain from Network Solutions to Cloudflare. What useful services can Cloudflare provide that other registrars can't? Go, Jeff. You know, for a personal domain, likely nothing. Um, 
I mean, they're a great, reliable company, and you know that um, if you're just using them for registration and as your DNS servers, that, you know, they're including DNSSEC, which uh, maybe some still don't. But uh, for personal, and, and you're saying registrar not hosting or you're not using them as a CDN for any, if you have a really high traffic, high volume website. So if they're just your registrar for your own domain, um, most registrars are going to give you the same features, but it's a, a great company. I'm still angry that Google has abandoned Google domains. Uh, it was, it is, while we still have access to it, really awesome and, and a lot of great features, but that's gone. Cloudflare is a lot less expensive. Um, than than everybody else. It's really I was kind of amazed. I still Google I have domains admit, did that also. Yeah, the, the, I, the no, uh, yeah. I I admit that I use Hover because Hover just works. It's easy to use. It's really I understand it. I've got hundreds of domains in there, and I that's what I that's what I use for that. And I don't use anything else. Um, and and I and I moved everything over there because it's easier to use. I think Cloudflare is probably a little bit more uh, less creature comforts and less money. <laughs> this is the are the big advantages. Next question. Eric Price in Kansas City writes in, from the QR code, has anyone on the panel checked out Filmatic AI's color clone a couple of days ago? It is supposed to be an AI camera matching plugin for Resolve and Premiere. Thoughts? Go ahead, Bill. Well, yeah, I had a couple of thoughts about it. Uh, color is a weird thing. And the, the places that I've run into trouble with automated typically is something like I have two cameras in an office building. I'm shooting an executive or something like that. One of them is shooting at the walls that have no windows. The other is shooting into the windows. And that means that my color temperature of the light coming in is going to be mixed. Without a human brain assessing that picture and saying, ah, here are the problems. Look at how the light is falling on the side of this person's face. I'm going to need to cheat a little bit between daylight and tungsten or whatever the office lighting is to make the best of a bad situation then I'm kind of controlled. And so I'm, I'm always a little leery of AI or, or anything else being able to look at that. Now, maybe it's gotten to the point where it can go in and just change those pixels that are hitting the person's face that are, that are out of the color that I would like it to be. But I'm a little leery in those mixed light situations of relying on anything other than a human being who's a really good colorist. That's just how I feel. It looks interesting. I mean, uh, we're looking at bringing on color.ai, which is another one that does some of this, um, some of this look, look stuff. Here, the, the issue with these automatic tools is that they will generally do better than 80% of the population, 80% of the people doing this work. Um, it'll match those cameras like that. It'll be better than most of them fiddling about. Does it replace, as Bill said, a solid colorist like Charles or something? Absolutely not. Like it is not going to, you know, if you're on a high, if, if you're on a higher end thing, but if you're doing a student project, you're doing a smaller budget project, you're not a colorist, you don't really understand why you can't get your colors to match. A lot of these things will do a much better job than you will. <laughs> so, so, so there's a, the downside of that is you don't learn how to do it. You're not learning how to make that, make that adjustment and you're not doing that. But if you're in a tight turn and you're just trying to get a bunch of cameras working and you've got something that's event coverage that's only going to be seen for a couple of days and not going to matter and you don't have the time and you don't have the budget to put a colorist in we should be you should be reassured whether it's color.ai filmic ai these things are going to make um, that fast and furious uh, change and have things look reasonably good they're going to do them instantly and it's going to save you a lot of time and money so it, it is um, i think that there's places for it and as bill said if i was doing high-end anything high-end um, it's not what i'd use um, because i have a, i have a plug-in called 
Charles. <laughs> so, so anyway, so it's a very so, sophisticated, very, plug-in. very expensive plugin, yeah. um, but it, but it comes with good conversation and, and we get to, you know, and, totally. and, um, and, and very, very fine, fine, uh, fine control. So anyway, so, um, so the, uh, but, but that's what I think that, uh, generally, uh, if you're trying to do fast and furious and you don't know how to do this yet, uh, I would definitely research it. Next question. Mark Sanderson in Chesterfield used the QR code and asks, has anyone tried the blind spot power pipe for the ATEM Mini? It lets you power the ATEM from a power bank, although the power bank does have to support 12-volt power delivery. It works great on my original ATEM Mini. I go, Jeff. I have not used this yet, but I'm curious about it. I may get one and try it out. So uh, USB-C has to have power delivery, which... uh, I think specs up to 240 watts. This is uh, capped out at 30 watts, and they say three amps max. But if you do the math, uh, it's two and a half amps uh, consistent. That's the 30 watts times 12 volts. Um, the one thing is, I would miss the locking connector for power that the ATEM Mini has. That screw-on locking power thing, and worry about connectors disconnecting. But it might be a great uh, backup, or when you have to be streaming on battery. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, sorry, uh, go ahead, recording. Yeah, for battery, it might, I can I can see that use. But as far as plugging it into something, the problem with USB C is it can provide three different three or four different voltages. And it has to talk. It has to be smart. The thing you plug it into has to to request a certain one. So these cables are built for a specific voltage, so that it uh, tells the power source, the USB C power source, what voltage it needs. Uh, but it a lot of USB uh, power banks are only five volts, which is the standard USB power supply voltage, and only USB C can provide the twelve volts power. So it'd be a lot. Better off just going to Amazon, getting you a twelve volt, ten buck, three amp power supply, which will work just fine. Uh, if you're going to be powering it off of AC, uh, it's a lot cheaper than that twenty two dollar cable plus a you know thirty dollar USB C power bank or something. You know. Good, Bill. Well, if you don't have an Edison nearby, you know I think this is getting better. I would note I've got one of the newer uh, Anchor. But these things are very sophisticated, the circuits inside of them. And what it does is as soon as you plug in a device, and it could be a laptop. I mean, I've used this with my MacBook Air to keep it going for an extra five or six hours when necessary. Um, it should negotiate the connection, figure out what the actual device is drawing. They're just getting smarter and smarter. So I think it's a cool thing. I think you will be able to find power banks like this and others in the same class that will run higher draw things well in a remote situation when you don't have shore power available. Next question. Scott Hancock in Tokyo used the QR code and asks, Alex keeps referencing Mukana for voting on questions, but I can't find that on the website. Can we hear more details about how to access it? So what you can do on the website is sign up. So you'll sign up, you'll say join. You can hit the join button and sign up, give us your email, and you'll start getting emails every day uh, related to um, the show. Uh, at the bottom of that email is a place to get into Makana. We make it a little difficult so that we keep it clean. Um, and so, um, but you can, um, that's where you can kind of jump into that. Uh, you may, we're rolling out a system inside of the QR code where you can just join right after you ask the question. I don't know if that's active yet. So we're working on that. So you'll be able to sign in a little bit more fluidly. But right now what you can do is go to our website, uh, join, you'll start getting an email. And inside of that will be the link to 
um, to how to be, be, you know, join Makana, and then you're part of a chat and you can vote on questions and you can do all those other things. But you are exactly the target audience. <laughs> the idea is that someone doesn't know where how to ask questions, and now you're able to ask questions over, um, over you know, without having to worry about that. And then you're asking where can you have more, <laughs> and so we have more. So uh, so go ahead and go to go to the join section inside of Office Hours. Join there, and you should start getting emails. All right, thanks. Bye. <laughs> all right, all right. Uh, uh, next question. Guy Cochran in Seattle writes in with the QR code, what's new in the sound devices update? This may be a duplicate. It's not really. I mean, I think that there's actually more to it than what we, we talked about. We talked about it a little bit. Um, there are some upgrades. You can add two more channels to your Mix Pre uh, 3. Um, and then you can also pay more and get another instance for your um, sound, your noise assist. I have to admit, I have a hard time thinking about how I would use that. I mean, I use the way I use a Mix Pre 3. I feel like one instance is enough, but if you want two instances, if you're two people talking, you want them to have independent noise assist, I think it would be useful. And for those of us who, who for people who need it, it's going to be worth the money to do it. Um, people will grumble about the fact that they're paying another $300 for a piece of software, but I think that they'll still buy, they'll still buy it if they need it because it is still magical. Um, you know, and so um, a couple other things they have, you know, they've added uh, full slate miking to the, the Mix Pre 10. Um, there's, as Courtney said, time code has been added to the, um, to the output so that you can have uh, your mix and time code going onto the stereo tracks. There's a bunch of stuff, that, and again, these just came out, so we haven't tested a lot of these things, but they added a headphone, uh, they added the, the channel one knob to the headphones, channel two knob shortcuts to allow access to the other channels, uh, 5, 6, and 9, and 10 on the Mix Pre 10, and 4 and 5 on the Mix Pre 3. Um, there's some virtu adjustable virtual faders um, for the channels 5 and 6, 9 and 10 for the Mix Pre 10, and 4 and 5 uh, for the Mix Pre 3. And these channels can be sourced through any aux or USB output or input. The one thing I have to say is that the amount of mixing that's hidden into these little boxes, we're going to talk about, I mean, Chris is going to talk about it in the second hour is insane like it is like the amount of things that you can do going in and out of a mix pre i mean it's just kind of you, it, as as i was watching chris's thing and even what, what i what was confusing for me for a long time was figuring it all out and now i'm kind of like doo, 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 and i just have this I get, i'm just used to doing all this routing in my in my uh, mixer that i can't do in almost any other interface that i've ever you know worked with um, especially one that's portable and i can attach it to a camera so um yeah go ahead chris um I won't go into my thoughts on the pricing, but uh, I'm interested. It says it adds two, is it two more USB inputs on the Mix 3, Mix Pre 3? It well, says two it more adds channel, two, two more virtual channels. Yeah, you can record output or record two more channels. So I think it's if you're building other mixes that you would be able to have more channels to work with there. Yeah, this That's... is something that came up with Nigel doing the, the tutorial that we're going to do in the next hour. Um, one of the things that you have to do, and, and I didn't, uh, to be clear, what we're going to do in the next hour is not about the Mix Pre. I had to talk about it a little bit because that's my user interface. A lot of people use it. It's a great thing, but you can do everything that we're going to talk about uh, without, you know, that what I would consider a, a pretty elite piece of gear. It's expensive. Yeah. Uh, go ahead, Courtney. Yeah, thank you covered a lot of the stuff I was going to mention that wasn't covered before, but um, I was going to ask you about noise assist. It was only available on one channel on the input. Was it available? Could you apply it to a stereo output for two channels or only? Sorry, Chris. 
Yeah, the, the what they actually recommend, Courtney, is that one of the things that you can do is you can do a mix of, you know, let's say, you know, a bunch of people, send it out to the left and the right. You can apply the noise assist on one, any one of the mics that you have plugged in or any one of the outputs. So you could you could record a clean channel one of your mix and a noise assisted channel two of your mix to have access to it, uh, choices in post. The other thing, uh, Alex, what I was gonna say, you said, I don't know why I'd need two of them. If you were doing a remote record, say a podcast, and I'm local and I wanna you know, get the noise of my fans out of the room, but you're remote and I wanna get the noise of the internet out of your feed, I might wanna adjust the two separately. So that would be a good instance of where you'd want two instances of the noise assist. Right, next question. Douglas Carmichael writes in, what does the panel think of the Espresso 17-inch 4K monitor for a mobile setup? The Espresso has 450 nits of brightness, but the U-Perfect U-Game J5 monitor has 500 candelas per square meter. How do those values compare? Mitch, real quick. Yeah, on the first blush, uh, 450 nits sounds low. Yep. Go ahead, Bill. Same thing. I'd want as much brightness as I could possibly get. The other thing about these is that those little flat panels that have nothing behind them, if you're doing mobile production, I don't believe in them because I want something more robust because those things get banged around a lot for a home setup or if you're going to do a fixed installation, fine. I don't buy anything without a visa mount. <laughs> Next question. Jeff Cohen in Miami Beach, Florida writes in, do you prefer only podcasts or podcasts that have video as an option? Go ahead, Jeff. Uh, audio only, because you can do other things like drive while you're listening to them. Go ahead, Jeff. Yeah, I, and I'll just say real quick, I'm, I'm fascinated by the surge, and it's a few years now with audio only, because, you know, when they started, it's all you really could do. All the equipment could handle everything else. And, and then as YouTube started blowing up as a video platform, and then I love that uh, shows like Mac Break Weekly and other great shows turn to video, especially more more techie focused because there's a lot you want to see on screen. And and then you have the option to turn the screen off, put it in your pocket and listen audio only. So I'm just fascinated by the surge as more and more video content becomes important. The the parallel surge in like Jeff, who prefers audio only. Go to Courtney. Yeah, I like the ones that provide both, both the video and audio stream without the video available separately. So that way I can monitor the audio stream remotely in my car without uh, using up a lot of the bandwidth on my cellular uh, to download the video that I'm not looking at. Uh, but when I'm sitting at home, I'd like to see the video of the podcast because a lot of the podcasts will refer to something they saw on the Internet. and You're just clueless if you're uh, not watching it with video. You go, Chris. I'm a bit of a purist. To me, a podcast just feels like, it doesn't matter, but to me it feels like it should be an audio-only thing with an RSS feed that automatically shows up in my phone every week. If it's a, if it's a video program, it just feels like a YouTube channel to me. As someone who's been doing pod, video podcasts since 2005, <laughs> so I, will, I will say that I, 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 uh, I think that can be both. I think uh, the video stuff should be kind of shorter form or... Um, one of the things that I think what we do here is a is an audio first video podcast essentially, which is that you could probably listen to the whole show and it'd be fine. There's occasions where you'll hear us talking about something or showing something, but it's not the end of the world. You just know that you're not going to see something for a second. Um, and I think that, but what we do is we do pay a lot of attention to the quality of our audio so that it's a good experience listening to it. 
Um, and uh, we describe a lot of things there, but we don't, um, so we don't rely on the video, but the video does add something when we want to show something there. Uh, next question. Agent Ogden in San Francisco writes in 100% a tool that makes countdown clocks. It's called After Effects. No reverse, just time. After Effects actually counts time, not time code. Passing time code as a real time is bad. The show needs opposition to Alex. He isn't always correct. Good, Mitchell. Actually, Alex is correct, and I'm a longtime After Effects user. And yes, you can do a countdown clock in After Effects, and it's going to take longer than it would to do it in motion. However, uh, After Effects provides a lot more tweakability to what you're doing, and um, I think the output would be better, but not faster. Yeah, I've done some countdown clocks in After Effects. I mean, as recently as maybe the spring, the last spring. So I've definitely done a few of those there. Um, and uh, and I'll have to take a look at whether there's a there is a uh, account time and what controls are on it. Um, you know, I think I just hacked through it and so on and so forth. We do have a panel here. Um, it's just that no one saw a better way to do it. And I will still, even with what you just suggested, I have After Effects specifically. So there are, like I did one where I was integrated with a whole bunch of plugins that the client provided so that the rest of the screen was moving and I had to have it integrated with it and so on and so forth. That's why I used After Effects for it. But I'm paying $50 once for motion. <laughs> like not not a, not a subscription for After Effects. So 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 when it comes to what what should you use, I would say something that I pay once for. Uh, go ahead, Courtney. Yeah, I was uh, curious as to whether you use Drop Frame or not. Uh, if you're using Timecode uh, on in your Timecode generator in your editing software, because otherwise it's not going to be running at real time if it's not Drop Frame. And if you're yep. using twenty nine nine seven, it won't time out correctly with the real time clock. Uh, I use drop frame, you know, for when I when I do it. Yeah, so so um, it's a drop frame uh, project, and uh, I'll be honest, it doesn't matter because what happens is is that the time the what ends up happening is the countdown clock becomes the law. Like every as soon as you turn it on, it doesn't really matter when real time is. You're not you're not losing you're losing so little over five minutes, you know that uh, that it doesn't it doesn't turn out to matter. Yeah, go ahead. Plus uh, plus streaming over YouTube is thirty seconds delayed anyway. Right. Well, and, and we then we make a decision. Do we want it to be? Well, when I do these, uh, most of my countdown clocks are not happening over YouTube. They're happening over um, a, a live network that's still four seconds behind, but not but not right on. Uh, go ahead, Mitchell. I use non-drop. And what the agent is referring to is if you're using time code, then you're dealing with frames and uh, you don't want to see frames because there are in, in yeah. complete number of frames in a 30 second or 10 second countdown. And the same thing that I did with, with in After Effects when I did it back with After Effects, you know, the last time, other than this one project that I had this last spring, the last time I did a countdown clock in After Effects was like eight or nine years ago. So it's it's not a, so my, you know, my data may be old and again, I hacked through it. And so, but we have a, we have a, a, a you know, a group of people here, but not, not as many After Effects users. And so there you have it. Uh, next question. Jeff Cohen in Miami Beach, Florida writes in, what's the state of the art in ADR for TV and movies? Newer tools, AI repair, remote recording, distributed workflows? Go ahead, Mitchell. Um, I read ADR to be automatic dialogue replacement. Yeah. And uh, that's been around a long time. Uh, generally, you need a guide track and then you re-record over it. And sometimes the software will match up all the little uh, peaks and valleys so that the lip sync is maintained. So to answer the question, there's no real repair other than the actual act of doing 
uh, automatic dialogue replacement. And most software that exists in most programs, Final Cut, Premiere, et cetera, um, have the ability to allow you to re-record over top of it, and then it'll match it up, get all those little uh, frames uh, exactly where they need to be. Go ahead, Courtney. Yeah, I wonder what AI is doing to this. And it may be part of the negotiations going on with SAG right now as to whether AI can be handled. AI can handle ADR for doing, you know, like airline dubs, things like that, where you have to edit out all the spicy words and replace them. That AI could now easily monitor, you know, model the actor's voice and replace it with the, uh, the new wording. Uh, even match their lips to it. So uh, the actor may not get an ADR day or a couple of ADR days, which used to be in the contracts for the actors so that they'd get paid for those days to come in and do the uh, dubs for uh, cleanup for television broadcasts or network television broadcast or for airline broadcast. Next question. Frank Wilson in Bali, Indonesia, used the QR code and asks, thank you for your advice on locating speakers at our event in Bali. We will follow and position them on the outside of the circle. Alex, the seating is at four-foot spacing due to drink tables. Uh, that makes more sense. So that, 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 that all comes together now. So well, we, please send us photos. We want to see the photos. <laughs> we want to see, Absolutely. see, and we want a report on how well it did. I mean, that, that's really our, our request there. So let us know how that turns out. Uh, next question. Cindy Drozda in Erie, Colorado writes in, if I use an adapter to connect a USB-A accessory to a 20 gigabits I, per second USB-C port, uh, will I get the full 20 gigs of throughput? I think, we, I think we had this one yesterday. I might have slipped back in there. Um, yeah, go ahead, Courtney. Uh, you can get uh, high speed. I don't know about 20 gig. You can get 10 if it's 3.1 version 2 uh, compatible USB-A port, it can deliver high speed over that, I believe. I don't know if it will, um, but maybe. I, I, think it's, I, think it's, I think it's much lower. I think it's like a, either 5 gig or 2 gig or even under a gig. It's, I think it's it pretty, can go up to 10. But I think yeah. the A is pretty is – most of the adapters that I've seen so far have been pretty slow. Uh, go ahead, Jason. Yeah, you will, you will absolutely not get 20 gigabits per second through any other method other than a – Exactly perfect USB-C throughput. And, and barely then. <laughs> it's, it's really on the outer edge, I've found. I've, it's really hard to get. Even cables that say they can do it, I have a hard time getting uh, the throughput. For so anyway, um, we got, we're going to be talking. We're going to have a lab with Chris here in just a couple minutes. Um, just a quick reminder that uh, tomorrow we're going to have anatomy of a commercial. Uh, uh, Bill is dredging up a, an old commercial to kind of work through. Two of um, them. We're going to do two, two commercials. Two commercials. So we're going to go. We're going to kind of wander through those commercials and talk about those. Uh, we're kind of taking. We're experimenting with more relaxed version of the second hour um, and we're going to spend that doing that for the for the month as we as we make the conversion to the next uh, wherever we're putting the next uh, office hour system um, and then we're going to talk about the process how well it's gone um, so far and so we'll be talking about that on the uh, um, in the uh, second hour on Friday so we'll give you an update um, talk a little bit about it answer any questions that you might have related to that of course, Saturday is um, our uh, weekend Q and A, so that lasts as long as you keep asking questions. Um, and so, if you uh, if you have a lot of questions, it's a, usually a great panel uh, to to jump into. So, um, so the uh, so, so that's a Saturday, and then Sunday's introspection, and that is a time for you to ask questions about what are we doing here and why are we doing it and 
and more philosophical questions we tend to kind of uh, shuttle off to Sunday. So that's what's coming up here. Um, quick reminder that there is a, um, uh, today um, at 10 o'clock, uh, Squares TV has an application lab. So you can find out more about that in the website. Also on Friday, the Isadora Lab with L um, is going to be at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard. So um, so if you're interested in that, it's L is the master you know, of this of this process, and uh, it's really these are great labs if you're interested in learning more about Isadora. Um, we have a new panelist meeting on um, a new panelist meeting on uh, on Saturday uh, at nine o'clock, so right after our show. So if you're interested in being a new panelist, just go to officehours.global/panelist, sign up there, and we'll tell you how to get into that new panelist um, discussion. Um, again, we do that on the first Saturday of every month now, and we'll answer your questions about being a panelist and talk about what that looks like. All right, let's go ahead and jump into the second hour. Welcome back to the second hour, and uh, we are now going to talk about audio routing. And um, and I'm going to let Chris kind of kick off. Um, and I will say that there is a, if you're wondering, like, oh, I wish there was a video that just explained all of these things. There is a video that explains all these things. It's on our website. If you, if you go, if you go to YouTube, the YouTube site, and you go to Office Hours Global, and you and you look, and one of the featured videos there is Chris walking through this very methodically through that browser. We're probably not, not going to go through it at the same level today, um, but what we're going to do is have um, we, you know, because what we want you to do is start looking at those things, asking the questions, and figuring that out before we get here. Um, so I know, I know that I, that someone said there'd be no homework, but there is homework. So we're going to, we're going to, you know, videos will start coming out um, about the things that we're talking about. So I'm going to let Chris go ahead and kick it off and talk a little bit about what we're going to do today. Before we get started, I want to say two things. One, Mr. Preto, hope you're feeling better. Sorry you're not here. And good morning, mom. My mom's down the hall and she's watching. She's watching a little boy do her thing. Anyway, so um, the important thing I think about doing this is to understand like the real objective. And also Alex and I had a brief conversation at text last night about how do we do this? I mean, should I assume everybody's watched a video? Do I assume they haven't watched a video? Is it, you know, so, so I apologize if this feels a little, uh, and, and again, this format, organized. it is, it, we're figuring it out. We're, 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 we're like, out. like, what is this? What is this? I, I, you know, like what kind does this work? So one of the things we'll want you to give us feedback on today and then on Friday is these new things that we're doing. What do you think about them and whether they're, are they, are they worth doing? Anyway, go right. So anyway, it's important to understand the, the overall objective of what um, I think is important. And this is what this is what I came up with. I wanted to be able to have zero latency monitoring when I'm on Zoom. So I'm an editor. I need to, um, besides doing office hours uh, in my real life, I work with people and I edit videos. So I need to be able to hear myself, my self-monitoring, with no latency. If there's any delay at all, you sound like a crazy person. Um, I wanted to be able to have control of the volume of individual applications um, separately, not just, oh, everything's really loud in my ear. I wanted to be able to decide easily what I'm sending out to Zoom or whatever source I'm on. And then I also wanted to be able to, ideally, can I do this with a piece of hardware but without generating like a bunch of analog audio sources into a mixer, because that's madness. We have these really powerful tools sitting in front of us. I want to keep, I like to call it in the box. I'm going to do all my mixing in the box, but can I have a hardware interface? So that's, that's really the goal. And the way we're doing it is using 
as, as you probably know, the Korg Nano Controller, that's the piece of hardware, and I think I can show it to you um, here. So here's my Korg Nano Controller farm. I'm actually using two of them. Here's my Mix Pre. This is my audio interface, and there's one of my stream decks, and this is my mouse and keyboard. So it's right there. Boom, boom. Type, type. Click, click, click. I apologize, Alex. Sometimes I leave my mic open. I'm typing. I get the nasty grams. But there's, the, but there's my thing. And then you'll also see that I've color-coded a few of these uh, faders, which is really important because this red one, that's the, that's the key one. If I fade that up, you can hear what I'm hearing. So that's the objective. That's what we're trying to get to. So how do we go about doing that? Uh, what we're going to use is the, the two apps we're going to use. And I can actually, I'll just show you this real quick. The two apps we're going to use is Loopback and SoundDesk. Loopback does all the routing. I think of Loopback as a virtual patch panel. And SoundDesk is just a mixer. It looks and feels very much like an audio mixer. And um, there is a way, by the way, one of the first questions, I'll just kill this one off right now. David Brady says, I do the same thing. But I use a utility that uh, SoundDesk offers up to the universe, which, David, I think it does the same thing on the inputs. I don't know that it has as much flexibility on the outputs. And basically, uh, their utility, I, I apologize, I can't remember what it's called, it allows you to grab the audio from various applications. All right. So um, the key thing, in my opinion, is you is I need to have control over my mic. And Alex, this is where we're gonna get into a little bit of hands-on stuff. So what I do in order to grab control of my mic, I'm realizing I have no idea how this is gonna go. <laughs> what I have to do is I need to make a sound desk, excuse me, a loopback patch, and I call it my mic, okay? And so if you wanna play along at home, uh, I'm gonna, I should, I should pr probably should have launched this app. Where's my loop back? Loop back. Yeah, I'm launching loop back. It's taking its sweet time to open up over here. Well, mine, is, maybe... mine is nice and empty. Okay, so what you want to do then is on the left side, lower left-hand corner, Alex. New virtual device. New virtual device. And call it my mic. And so I'm going to show you mine. And actually, before we'll do this, and then I want to show you the, the practical um, use case of how I do all this stuff. And then what you want to do in the next column over called Sources, Alex, mm -hmm. select um, your Mix Pre. Now, you have the Mix Pre Super I'm Awesome Cool Scorpio 12. Or no, no, whatever. I have a Mix Pre 3. Oh, okay. So then what you're going to want to do... Ah, this is one of the things um, Mr. Desau did this don't. over the weekend. Go, you're going to want to launch a thing called Audio MIDI Interface, and I'll I'll launch that too. Or audio audio MIDI audio, audio MIDI setup. setup. Yep, yep. Okay, and then my computer is just working like crazy over here. Oh, there we go. So when I show you my uh, my audio MIDI setup, you can see I have an untold number of audio devices here. It's ridiculous. So here's my Mix Pre 6. And what you're seeing when you look at audio MIDI setup, and this is just a Mac utility in your utilities folder, is you see inputs and outputs. But those are not the inputs and outputs of the device. Those are 
inputs and outputs as your Macintosh sees the device. It's from the point of view from the Macintosh. In other words, anything called an input on this side is actually an output from your mix pre and, and vice versa. So my the, the mix pre six has the ability of having eight audio outputs and the mix pre uh, six has the ability of having eight of four audio inputs. So Alex, I believe what you're gonna need to do is under this control, this pull down right here called format, if you click on that, you're gonna see additional uh, setups. And I believe it probably defaults at two channels, but you're gonna wanna change it to, uh, it's gonna be like four out and two in or something. Can you tell me? I can't see yours. It is, um... It's set to two channel. What's interesting okay. is that is that um, mix pre three. What it shows in loopback is all six channels. Yeah, but it doesn't. It, it shows that, but but your it Mac doesn't them. recognize it that there. So click on the input. Oh, input. There we go. Sorry. Because the, again, this go. is how the, the Mac. I'm already set to six channels. Awesome. Okay, that's so that's the key there. thing. Yeah. All right. So you can close that app. That means uh, sound of uh, loopback can see all those channels. So then what you're gonna wanna do, oh, that's my screen. So then what you, I'm like, go ahead, close it, dude. Um, so then what you wanna do on your mix, on your my mic, is you're gonna, uh, on the center column, click this little plus, you've done that. Oh, you're ahead of it, me. It automatic, no, it did that automatically. Oh, it did that it does, automatically. When you add okay. a new device, it automatically gives you some so here's kind of what output. I, right, 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 so here's what I want you to do. And this is, you know what, I'm gonna take my screen off so, Let's put Alex's screen up. I, we were cutting between his screen and my yep. screen. They were very similar and ridiculously confusing. So Alex, what you wanna do is you wanna select the patch cables that go from channel one and two output of the mix pre yep. and delete them. And you have to, I think you have to do like an option delete or something to make that delete. Yep, I, do that for I, both of them. Is there an option delete? I just put yeah. the delete button down below. <laughs> yeah, that'll work too. Option delete on your keyboard works. And then what you want to do is Can drop... I get rid of this pass through? No, no, you're going to want that. Oh, wait, right. no, yes, kill that. Yeah. Option. So what you want to do is you want to take channels, you want to draw a patch cable from channel five on the output to channel one on the output channels channel, uh, thing. Okay, so I'm going to From five to one. Yep, look at you. There we go. All right, so now what that does for you, and I'm gonna jump ahead in my slides here. Uh, can I do this quick? So now I need to go into my mix pre, which I don't have really have a good camera for, and That's route fine. and route my mics, right? Route my input to five and six, now, right? Now I'm gonna say, Alex, there's a certain amount of this we absolutely don't wanna do live. Because what could very easily happen is that you could um, click click something and we've lost you forever. And I don't want to. I can I find my bring, way back. I don't want to bring down the back. universe like that. Um, so, but what I wanted to show you here. This is a lab. Is, I'm willing to live large. Okay. So. so what I wanted to show you here is this slide from my presentation. What that does for us is it gives me the ability to see. And I can do this. Uh, I'm switching it. I'm switching it. Oh, geez. Here we go. Uh, I'm going to go to my outputs. And I'm going to go to Make that my, your microphone. USB, my USB 5 and 6, right, is what I want. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
so five. I'm gonna make five my. So uh, what Alex is doing now, I'm gonna show you this. Oops, this slide is he's going into. I'm on seven and eight because I have a mix pre six. What he's doing is he's going to the USB output. Check, check, check. You can see. Five. You can see now that my my I've I've moved five, so I've yeah. added five. And do the same. And I'm not six. doing left and right. I'm doing my. For me, it's channel three. I'm using channel three for that. Understood. So, Understood. So, um, because so you have your mic back. plugged into channel three. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so anyway, so I'm going to go to that. Was wait, did I do five? Yeah, that was five. So yep, do, you did five. So do six now. Six. So what I, what he's doing here is he's selecting his channel three for outputs five and check, six. Check, what check. you're looking at on my screen is seven and eight is channel three. Okay. Can I say you actually check. sound you sound way better. <laughs> even though I haven't changed anything in Zoom yet. So Zoom no, doesn't even I'm, see this yet. I'm totally, but I know kidding. I, I'm totally kidding. Psychosomatic, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so so th what that does for us, though, and I'm going to go back now I can to... Now I can change this now, because I could go in here and say, I want to use my mic. So if I... I, you can't, I can't show this to you, but I'm going to switch to my mic in my select my microphone and see if it works. It will. There we go. So now I'm in my mic. So oh, you can hear me now. That sounds that so sounds so much, much better. better. I know. No. <laughs> so um, yeah. So that so now now you're listening to me through here. In fact, if I I think that if I uh, like just to show you, I'm I'm going to talk here now. You can hear you can't hear me now. No, and now I'm going to turn you. it up. That you can, didn't you can... work for some reason. So here's what you want to do: turn off that whole module. There's a little on-off switch up at the top of it. Um. Yeah, I'm going to turn it off. So now you, whoa. Oh, it may not do that because it sees that Zoom nope, is using you, can, you can't hear me now, can you? Can you? We can hear you. You can hear me. You're still there. Hold on. Oh, because it, 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 <laughs> because um, the reason that that worked was because um, Zoom, autom when we quit, Zoom automatically jumped to the mixed pre. So when I turn this down, you. Oh, now you're gone. Now you're now gone. Now you're gone. That when I turned it, it off, what it did was it it Toggled reverted it. to the last thing that was used in Zoom, which is a smart thing for Zoom to do. So, okay. um, so okay. it did work. When you faded it down, yeah. you did go away. There you go. Okay, so that's step one. And what that does for us, and I'm going to show you this again, is that, and I, it's far, hard for me to show this because whatever. So I have my microphone selected in different apps, and and I can... Right always have access to it regardless of the rest of the really complex routing that i'm actually doing so it's really right. simple it's like oh, i gotta record a vo done you know done right. done and done all right so that's that's step one now now it's going to get interesting the next thing i want to do do though is i want to show you just practically what this does for me as an editor so, for example, if I show you, here, here's me hitting play. And if you're listening right edit. now, in a couple minutes, we're going to jump in and just handle the questions that you have so far in this lab. So if you have any questions about what we've already just talked about, go ahead and throw those in. But we'll about, in about five minutes, we'll, we'll answer some questions and we'll go back to the lab. So anyway, go, keep going, Chris. Yeah, that's a good idea. Okay, so what I want to do now, I just want to show you. So, I mean, practically, I, I am an editor. This is what I do. And... I edit with people online all the time. But what you can see here is you can't hear what I'm doing. You can see the audio meters. This is our little family vacation on 4th of July. Um, but you can't actually see what I'm doing. So 
if I want you to, or hear what I'm doing, if you want to be able to hear it, this is where it gets super important. So what I'm going to do here is on this uh, audio demo, you can see here, here is my sound desk, and this is what we're going to get into. And what I've done is I've broken up multiple apps out. Here's my Final Cut Pro. Here's my browsers. Here's my QuickTime. Here's my Blackmagic. Here's my Zoom Out, Unity, Aux, blah, blah, blah. Now, if I wanted you to be able to hear Final Cut Pro, I would fade, or if I want to be able to hear it, I fade this up. And, and you're doing that with a Korg hardware. You're not I'm doing gonna, that I with... I'm doing it with the Korg hardware. I'm going to show... We're, we're going to get there. Um, but this is important to understand why, uh, why I do all this. Now, also a little bit of a disclaimer. On that screen you just saw, uh, well, not that screen, this screen, I am fading up the channel one, which is labeled Final Cut Pro. Because I am in a different physical location, disclaimer, disclaimer, my Final Cut now comes over my feed that is called Black Magic. So I apologize for the, the lying and the trickery. So when I hit play on my timeline over here of the family vacation, which we can see there. When I do that and I want and I want to hear it, I fade up this and I can see those meters going there. I hear it just fine. You don't hear it yet. And you don't hear it yet because I haven't faded up the red fader and that's what sends it out to you. And now I can kill it. Now if I leave that up and fade this down, this way, you can still hear it, and me as an editor, we can talk about the edit. So, Alex, what are you thinking? You think we should do do a little more color on the sky, blah, blah, whatever, whatever it is. Yeah. And so I can turn it up to you. I can kill it to you. Which is key when you're talking to a client, like trying to figure out how to, like, I'm going to now share this, or I'm going to share that. Being able to sit there and just talk to them and move move their sliders up and down, I can see right Powerful. and 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 then this is what this is the way we work and actually right. i don't do a pip when i'm working nobody cares but um but i have total control over it okay and i'm doing that right. hardware based down here so if you want to have the music in the background but you're still talking over it and talking to the client about what, what you're working I can on pull you it out it there. and yeah we can have a, a legit conversation about what's going on and this is very much like i mean uh, there are products uh mackie used to have a product i got i lost my mouse um mackie used to have a product called big knob and it was a big giant knob you put yeah. on your desktop and it would be great because you could just grab it and turn it and turn over your shoulder i'm sorry what'd you say i can't hear you the speakers are louder than you are you know i mean that's a t total editor you know 101 is dealing with people over your shoulder but now people everybody's on zoom so that's really the key is like i can grab a fader here and i can do that so and it really is everybody's on zoom now like how often do you have someone behind your over your shoulder nowadays not never right the last person i had over my shoulder editing was my mom and i was showing her what we're going to do right now hi mom my mom's watching it in the other room but but the but 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 you haven't had a, no. a client other than your mother for how long so I, I will tell you this we started using zoom in nine uh, 2017 i believe mm -hmm. and i was doing zoom edits back then and the first time i was like here's what happened client called and she goes uh i just had foot surgery i'm supposed to be there on tuesday i can't i don't know what to do i got to get the, my video done i said i have an idea so that morning i sent her this zoom link she put it on her ipad on this 
over here. And then over here, she had her laptop doing whatever it is producers do on their laptop all day long when you're editing. And she just sat there and she would go, oh, yeah, more of that, less of that. You know, she'd, she'd fix stuff up. Sorry, I'm getting a... Uh, and, and about 10 minutes into the edit, she says, excuse me, I just wanted to let you know, um, this is awesome, and I will never come to your office again, ever. <laughs> exactly. And so that was the death of th that particular producer ever coming to the office. And now, you know, we've shut down the office and everybody works remotely, but whatever. So it works quite well. But, but the key to it, and actually the first time I did a remote edit was in about 20... 2005, I think, and it was actually right. an Apple edit. And I said, right. here, I'm going to send you a, a FaceTime link. And I'm working with this producer. And she goes, how are you doing all this? And I go, I'm using your software. Um, well, and I think we were we were somewhere in that, when we were doing Mac breaks, uh, and it was somewhere in 2005, we were sending proxies to the editors, having them edit while we were, you know, um, they were screen sharing or something back to us. And they were editing, we we're giving them feedback, and then they would just send back the final the final cut file and we would relink it and and uh um and hit go. So I mean all of us were kind of thinking in the same in the same realm. Let's jump into some of the questions uh, real quick and just kind of go through a couple of those and then we'll come back to the lab. This is a this is great. Uh sure. go to the first question. Yeah, uh believe Fenwick at least covered it a little bit. Uh David go Brady ahead, says I also yeah. uh, you want that skipped? Yeah, yeah. No, 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 go ask it. All right. Um, I already run SoundDesk and Korg Nano in a similar fashion, but I use SoundDesk's native matrix router. What are the pros and cons of this versus the loopback? Chris? Uh, the David Brady question? Yeah. I don't know. I wish you were here. Well, David. I guess the only question I have, the only question I have there is that um, it, it, this is good if you're only using SoundDesk and, loop, and, and, and um, the Korg. I think the only thing I would say is that the loopback is a more generalized solution for everything on your system. You know, so you're you're I making that available. Earlier, yeah. It, it, what we get with loopback is we get ultimate power on the outputs, and we're going to get to that. So, but 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 the you could definitely use the loopback internal solution to grab the outputs of all the individual apps. You, you mean not use. the loopback, but the sound desk. Sound desk. I apologize. Yes, yeah. mm -hmm. the sound desk solution to mm -hmm. grab the outputs of the individual apps. Okay. Right. So, yeah, and so, but I think that you could do that if you're doing it all through SoundDesk and you're going to open up SoundDesk every time you run it. The advantage of Loopback is you're you have something that you set up, you have all this I/O that you've created, and you can use it on any app and have it running in the background. And it's just it's not even running; like you don't even open Loopback. Once Loopback has defined these these things, if you turn them on, they're just available as services there. So I think that Loopback is a more generalized solution for everything that you might want to do with my mic, quote unquote. Um, but one of the things that that you can do with that is to send it into SoundDesk. Um, and so I think SoundDesk is a little bit more focused, but you may, I think you may find that loopback is better overall. Um, next, next question. Michael Dickman in Munich, Germany writes in, how would you send the audio desk output via Dante AVIO USB-C to another MacBook also on the second Dante AVIO USB-C? And this came QR in through code. the, yeah, came in from the QR code. Yeah, go ahead, Chris. Uh, I missed the question. Will you please repeat it? Sure. Uh, how would you send the SoundDesk output via uh, Dante AVIO USB-C to another MacBook on also on the second Dante? That's literally AVIO the next thing we're going to talk about. 
There we go. So, Stay so tuned. We'll, you can show it. You can show it. if it's literally the next thing. Just go ahead and jump into it, and we'll come back. Okay. So, so what we need to do, uh, controlling outputs, and and um, it's the second to the next thing I'm going to show you. So, what I need to do here is I'm going to bring over. I want to show you how I choose to send something to uh, an output. So, and we're going to uh, solicit some help from our friend. Uh, Mickey. So Mickey is here. Uh, Mickey, can you talk to me? Just read me. Okay, so you can see that Mickey is talking to me on comms, but you don't hear it. The reason you don't hear it is that, keep going, Mickey. Uh, he's coming in here, but you don't hear it yet. And the reason you don't hear it yet is you would think, well, Fenwick, you told me I have to push push up this fader. No, that's not enough. So what I'm going to do here is I take this channel. This is my Unity channel. I, I select the aux send. And then on aux channel one, I make this post fader. And now all of a sudden, you're going to hear Mickey in just the left channel. Hey, Mickey, that sounds great. So Mickey, uh, um, Mickey, I'm asking you a question. Do you agree uh, with post fader versus pre fader in that selection? Um, it depends on your use, use case. Uh, I think for something like comms, and I don't think that's going out to the stream. It doesn't go so, to the stream uh, normally, no. Yeah, yeah. If it's uh, if it's something like like comms, I'd probably want it to be post fader so I can change each one individually. Right. So, but but again, this is my comms. This is just so Mickey can go. Hey, your mic is too low. You know, can you fix that? And normally, I would never send this out to the show. So I'm going to go back into Oxsend. And what that does is by setting it there, it brings it to this channel here, which is called Ox12. I call it Ox to Broadcast. And that's the fader that I fade up and down. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to kill that because obviously I don't want to send comms ever to anything, to any sort of show that I'm doing. And now if Mickey talks to me one more time, I hear him fine, but you don't hear him. Okay, Mickey, thanks Thanks a lot for helping us with that. Now, the outputs. Let's get back to the outputs. I am going to show you the next couple of slides. This is what you think you want to do, okay? You, you think you want to grab a bunch of apps and punch them into um, SoundDesk. And if you use their tool... That's essentially what you do. It's a matrix. It's like an XY matrix, kind of like Dante, actually, where you can go channel one and two, I want to attach tink, 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 and tink, these apps. Channel two, I want to go tink, 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 or you know, this app, whatever. Um, that's not what I do. I actually use, back to our good friend, Loopback. Uh, here we go. I'm going to move this out of the way. So let's go back here. And that's, I could probably close this. That's just a YouTube video I was going to use, but I decided to use Mickey instead. All right, so sound desk inputs. This, this gets super interesting. Basically, what you're going to do, Alex, is you want to create a loopback patch, a new virtual device, and call it um, sound desk input. And then on that, what you want to do is you want to create a new source, you hit this little plus button here, and I can scroll down and pick all the different things that are available for me to use. And what you're going to want to do, what I would probably do, and I'm just making some 
guesses about your life, Alex, you'd probably want to share QuickTime with somebody. You'd probably want to share a browser with somebody. Um, and whatever. Let's do those two, QuickTime this and a sound, browser. This is SoundDesk input. So I got uh, Chrome. And then QuickTime is just because QuickTime is not open that it doesn't show up as an yeah, so, so So then you're going to have to do, there's a way to do it with for apps that aren't open. Select it's, application. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so go find your QuickTime. And now while you're doing that, I'm going to give a demo of why you'd want to do that. So I'm going to bring this browser window back up. I'll get Mickey out of the way. Here. So I got QuickTime. I got Google Chrome. Yeah, and I could and if I wanted to do Safari too, because because I'm going to show you a cool trick. So I'm, I want to show you why you'd want to do that. This is a YouTube. I'm going to go to this screen. This is a YouTube channel, a video that's a fascinating. It's this guy for three and a half hours. He's building a log cabin. Okay. Now we're going to listen to it. So there's his there's his uh, Nat sound. Most of this thing has no music at all. So you say, well, Fenwick, why would I, why don't I just make everything play? Okay. And what I'm going to do here is I'm going to hit play on a, on a QuickTime file, which is the music from the other video I played you. And now I can mix, I can audition something. Oh, <laughs> I found a part of his video where there is music. We'll just jump ahead. Oh, also music, sorry. Okay. So here I am auditioning music live for a client. Well, what do you think about this? What if we keep the Nat sound in, Mr. Producer Guy, and just have a little music underneath? Oh, I like that. Could we try a different cut of music? And again, I'm doing this... I'm doing this live on a couple of faders here. There's the the browser, Nat Sound. There's the music. There's both. So that's why that's why I work so hard to be able to do this. Because to be able to do that live. It's really great. To gr just grab a fader like old timey, you know, like when I was in college in the early '80s, super cool to be able to do that. Well, and and it's really, you know, I think that one one of the things that's really powerful is that this is, you know, really in that whole work, not maybe work from home or work from office or work remotely. Getting all these creature comforts working and having it be super smooth is how clients go. This is great. I always want to do it this way, and. You know, I want to make it work. It's not, you know, if, if, it's, if it's hacky and not working and it's a little, you know, janky, to use a technical term, then they're like, oh, we just, need to come, we just need to go into the office. Like, we just need to go into the office and, and um, figure this out. But when you make it smooth and, and all that stuff is working and you get good at it, um, and, and that's also one of the advantages of the reason I come in, I'm going to, you know, get this really running, but the reason I come in on every meeting and office hours every day with the same system is so that I get good at it. I just know how to go. I'm just going to jump from here to here to here. I'm going to do this, 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 I'm going to do all these things and I get very comfortable. So when I'm demoing something to a client or something else, it's, it's second nature. It's not something like I got to figure this out. You know, that's the, that's the key to the operation. Anyway, so I've, I've done that. So I've now have, um, I have uh, Google Chrome, QuickTime player, Safari, all going into my, now they're all being muxed currently into my output channels. 
Alex, can you vamp for a little bit? I have an emergency I have to deal with here. Yeah, 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 sure. So um, one of the things that, you know, so when you look at this, you know, you can add a lot of things. So what I did here to, to, to deal with this is, you know, I have all of these things that are available to me. So I might want to add, for instance, VLC might be another one that I add. Um, you know, I can, uh, you know, I can add my my microphone from my iPhone, <laughs> the Blackmagic output, um, a lot of other things that, that can be added there. And, or I can select what I did here is I just select this application. And um, that's going to let me pick anything that's out there. I can even to make to go kind of in a weird loop, grab the my mic and put it back in if I no, wanted to. No, um, you don't I'm not do going that. to. I'm not going to do that. I'm just saying and I was just vamping. Why do you not want to do that, Mr. Lindsay? Because you could end up with a loop. <laughs> so you'd be coming back to yourself. Um, you could, it would make us but all most happy. importantly, it's because of the latency. If you start listening to yourself through that sound desk, you're going to have latency. Right. All right. So the next thing we want to do is when I said very next thing, I apologize. It is now the next thing. We're going to build some a couple of we're going to build an output module. All right. So uh, to go forward, I want to show you this. This is this is the end result of what you end up getting when you start doing this, because what we just did here is. Oh, actually, no, let's do this. No, let's, I think there's one one part before that, though, is that we have to if we have to add more output channels, right? Yes, yes, yes. Thank you. Okay, so create more output channels. So what Alex has currently done here is he has just ganged everything into one input. And that's madness, obviously. So no you're going to want to do. Trust me on this one, you're going to want to do eight. Do eight of those modules. Okay. We'll just build them now and be done with it. Do I need this pass through? Can I get rid of the pass through? Uh, no. Let me let me check mine. I can't remember. I don't think you do want to get rid of it. Okay. Uh, yeah, you can get rid of it. And and like that, it's gone. And then I okay, and so then I want to. And the problem is, you could route both of these, right? I could route to both of them, but I don't want to do that, right? I want to delete can, these. Yeah. But you so don't what want I would do, and decide now, I would put like my browsers first, I think. But I'm going to get rid of these ones that were all mucked together, right? I want to yep. get rid of all of those. Yep, yep. And this is where you want to start making a decision about how you're going to lay out your mixer. So what would you like to have on Fader 1? Right. And the one thing that... <laughs> When I saw your when I saw your video, the one thing that I will do um, for mine is that I would I would um, add my sound desk inputs. Can you drag these? Can you reorder them? You I cannot. So I would add them. Are they always in in? Uh, they're always in channel order, but they're in the order that you added them, right? So right. I would carefully add them in the order so that none of the beams cross, none of the lines cross. I don't. <laughs> Uh, like I, I, and I'd probably undo them and then redo them so that I would make, I have a thing about, like I saw yours, I was like, why are all the lines crossed? Why are they crossed? crossed? Okay, no, Alex, you need help, really. Can, <laughs> you, you just gotta. So anyways, so so I'll say that I'll do quick time left and right to here, right? And then okay, I'll do. So, so what I would do with the your Safari, you more mm -hmm. than likely are not going to use sources from two I would gang all my browsers together. You you have oh, a limited okay. number of inputs that you can do in this system. Mm -hmm. So gang your browsers together, and I would gang VLC with QuickTime. It's basically yeah. the same type okay. of app. Right. And then you're also going to want to make a source for 
uh, you're going to want to get Zoom and Unity. So add those two apps as well. And go ahead and add four more output channels. Four more four output more. channels? Yep. Okay. That's, uh, that you absolutely added four output channels. I could have said add eight. I want four modules. So you need up to channels 15, 16. Okay. Okay, now what I want you to do is, and this is presuming you think it's a good idea to have a, a master fader that you can just pull down. I'm preserving channel eight to be your master, uh, fader eight to be your master. So what oh, I want you to it. do is patch. Hold on, I did, I, it's a long story. <laughs> I understand. Okay. All right, there you go. Yeah, you're gonna have to give up on the, I don't want things, I don't want to cross the beams. Um, uh, no, no, here's, here's how I would handle this, is I would do it, I will do it with you, but then I will carefully go back. But it seems like it's reordering them on its own, so I may not help it. It looks like it, it wants to put them in it's gonna alphabetical be the, order. It's going to be the way it wants so to be. All right, so all right. So plug Zoom and patch Zoom and Unity into anything you want. But separately, not, not gang them. Yes, yeah, separately, into two separate things. Mm -hmm. You should be able to color the lines if you're going to cross them. That's the only. That's my only thing. They should cross at right angles. Just learn to live Attention, in the world rogue amoeba. <laughs> All right, yeah, exactly. Rogue amoeba, you're watching. There's some, there, we need I to watch talk. spline handles on everything. Yeah, exactly. All right, uh, there you go. How's that? All right. Okay, so this is what we call an aggregate input device. All right? Mm -hmm. So now, because I promised we would do this, let's make another virtual device, mm -hmm. and we're going to call it sound desk output. And if you look at my screen for a moment, you'll see that I created, um, uh, how do I do this? I need to reach to this computer. So in this case, you're keeping pass-through. Uh, you you are going to, no, not necessarily, not yet. No, yours has. This is mine is called pass-through, but it's the pass-through of my virtual device. Okay. Uh... I don't know how I did this. <laughs> I was like, I was oh, like, I know, I know, I, I think I know what it is. So make, make two, make two more output channels on yours, Alex. Outputs? Yep. Yeah, that's why. Okay. So mine is six outputs because I want, I want to be able to send my output from the sound desk to three different places. Mm -hmm. And my three places are, my headphones, right. Number two, Zoom, and number three, my speakers. Just in case I'm gonna yep. throw up the speakers and walk away, and I still want to listen. Yep. Okay. All right. So what we're gonna do then is uh, on the monitors channel, create one output device, and you could probably do just your computer. Or it's going to say like, like Mac or external speakers Mac or whatever. Mini, Mac Studio. Okay, so here's my Mac Studio speakers. There you go. Done. All right. And now break those two channels, those two patch cables that go from number one to the speakers and patch those into the third output. 
It's going to delete those, and then you're going to patch from number th the third output up to those speakers. Well, third third group, right? Yep, third Five group. And, six. and so back to the Dante question. Sorry, we're just now getting to it. Yeah, what you I can see that I could make an output to Dante, and you could feed an output to Dante. <laughs> so there's all my Dante channels. Right. Yeah. So there's all 32 channels, and that's done using now. If you use the USB, you would have just two two channels available right. to you. Um, but I have Dante virtual sound card in the computer. So it said, okay, we got 32 channels to work with. Right. And, and then I could grab those and send them somewhere. If I, if I, you know, in the Dante controller, which we're not going to probably get into right now, you could grab onto whatever channels that I have available to you, you know, in the Dante virtual sound card and send them, you don't need another, you can use another, um, USB output, you only have the two channels, but you could just use virtual sound card and send it to two other channels that are going into another Mac. Or if the other Mac had Dante virtual sound card, you just send Mac to Mac, but you need one piece of hardware that has Dante. It's a little side, yeah, side note. Let, let's let the Dante thing die. Uh, you, that's say that before, you always have to say that before you, anytime blah, you talk blah, about blah, Dante, blah, 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 you're, you have to say it's, it's a law. Know, you need a thing. In, it's you a law a that you, that you have to have. Let's jump into some questions here and then we'll come back. We'll, we'll, we'll re, recalculate that okay all right uh uh you but you always have to say you I'll need hardware if you talk about Dante. Time, yeah do, try try uh next question jeff cohen in miami beach florida writes in without motorized faders to recall their positions thoughts on controllers like the behringer x touch mini with positionless digital knobs yeah sure uh here's the thing jeff uh motorized faders are expensive positionless maybe um every, what happens with this is a $65 thing, okay? That's why it doesn't have motorized faders. This is a cheap, cheap solution. Uh, these things are $65. Um, oh, by the way, to colorize the, the faders, I used nail polish. And to get the brilliant red, you paint it white first, then you paint red over the white. Anyway, that's kind of fun. Um, although my wife is like, why do you have nail polish? I'm worried. Um, so... Uh, it's 65 bucks. I will tell you, there is a gotcha. If you leave the faders in a position and shut everything off and go away, when you fire everything back up, it will not be in that position. You have to touch every fader. Just wiggle it just a little bit. Mickey, uh, I do the same thing with my mic in the morning. I have to, um, on my mic input, which is right here, I have to jiggle the fader. Otherwise, uh, my mic doesn't pass audio at all. It's a limitation of buying $65 gear. If you are infinitely wealthy and you want to buy a MIDI-controlled uh, 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 hardware interface that has motorized faders, awesome. Go for it. I and you can that. you can play. We're using the, the Nano controller. It's really small. It's really inexpensive. It currently is about $75 at the moment. Um, but, the, uh, but you could also get something like a Novation um, controller that has all these little knobs, and you could theoretically tie all those knobs back into sound desk as well if you wanted more control right i mean if there's there's controllers there's lots of controllers and it's just it's just a midi controller right it's yeah and not... i've used this with my x touch i mean the, it's transparent it's fenwick's method is identical regardless of what hardware you're using to drive this right and i see that we're we're really pushing our time so let's do uh, yep let's we'll go let's go to the next question yep Next question. Stefan Fischer in Würzburg, Germany writes in, are the faders usable in a proper way or is the option to mute and unmute uh, different sources the main reason for using the device? Yes, you can use the faders. Yeah, I just and they fade that. it up and down. Yep, yep. absolutely. Now, next question. 
Craig McFarlane in Boston, Massachusetts, writes in, uh, can this be done with a Stream Deck Plus instead of a Korg Nano Control 2? Uh, yes. Maybe. Maybe. And Jason says yes. Yes, it just won't be as smooth. Like, there's something very organic about these mixers, just being, oh, I'm just going to move this up and down. But you muting and unmuting, Stream Deck, totally. You can have little arrows that go up and down and figure out some way to do that. But this is a, a much more seamless experience. Next question. Jeff Cohen in Miami Beach, Florida writes in, can Loopback group all sources of audio except one specified app? Yes. Yep. You saw the output. You saw, so you just you saw the way Alex was patching it. You just patch it the way you want to go. Yeah. I'm separating them out, but you could gang them all up as well. Well, you saw we ganged the browsers together and we've ganged these other things together. Uh, next question. It, it, oh, it, go ahead. It, if I could just real quick, what I mean is without having to specify each and every app, you know, can can you literally say that's, any source of audio except pass through? That's pass through. So, so Jeff, imagine this. Imagine there is a universe where all the audio comes down one giant tube. That's called pass through. And then I say, but I would like to control QuickTime separately. Now you've now pulled QuickTime out of that giant tube. And I and it disappears from the giant tube. It so so pass through only... doesn't see it. If you add a quick time, pass through will ignore it. Pass through is an automatic mix minus. If you add quick time to if something you add else. quick time, yes. If you no, but and I'm it, saying if you add quick time to the sources, it will no longer correct be controlled it, by pass through. It steals it from pass through. Got it. I'll give you. It an, is an doing added. the exclude. Can I give you an added? So if you just added the source, if you added the in the source, but didn't connect it to anything, it would no longer see QuickTime. Like That's the pastor would no longer see QuickTime. That is correct. Yeah. yeah. So there I'll give you an added benefit to this. Uh, I have After Effects in my uh, system here. And mm -hmm. you know that annoying chime you get when every render is done? So you just gave it something. I gave it some place to go. And now I don't have it. Anyway. You know, I when I when I was at Lucasfilm, we I thought it would be really funny to have when it finishes its render. It, I changed it in Res Edit to go smoking, and it, every time I finished it, which was amazing for the first day, and I had to go back. <laughs> And then things are amazing for the first and then, day. And then what I did is I replaced the chime with a little. I, I just hit the desk like this, and so it just went dunk. And and so I, this is the wonders of what Res Edit. I went in and Res Edit it, so it was like instead of being ding, it was like dunk. And it would just tell me, it would be enough for me, but it wouldn't be so annoying. Uh, next question. Jack Rupel in Breckenridge, Colorado writes in, can I do the same thing with Donner MIDI controller, Zoom F3 Zoom, Zoom F6, Zoom H3 VR ambisonic mic? Probably. Anything that has an output. I mean, anything that's coming in over USB is going to see it. So it's you're yeah. going to be able to, because you know, it's just... All the loopback's doing is looking at, I have stuff that Apple sound, con you know, MIDI control or what Apple sound control over, I have objects over here. And so if those objects are seen by the OS, they're going to be seen by loopback. Yeah, if yeah, you can address really it, important. you can sort it. Yeah, it's really important that the next thing that we get to here is is is, su is super important because now that we've stolen it. all that audio, we have to put it someplace. Okay, let's do it. Okay, so back to um, my uh, screen here. What you would, what you need to do in SoundDesk is go to Preferences Audio, and I'm gonna have to zoom out because this control panel is way over here. And Alex, what you need to do is select for your input device is your SoundDesk input, and your output device is your SoundDesk output. Wait, I do that in in, in uh, Preferences. Nope. Uh, SoundDesk. In SoundDesk Preferences. SoundDesk Preferences Sub Panel Audio. 
yeah, I had this up. Okay, so right now I have my inner my input interface being a mix pre three. So I'm going to change that to um, sound desk input. Sound desk input. Yep. And now I can't hear you. Um, why? Oh, because I changed my mic. Hold on one second. Let me go back to do do do. Let's go back to no. We stole Zoom. You don't hear us. Alex doesn't hear us right now, and we can say anything we want. Alex doesn't hear us right now because he we stole Zoom. So we have to assign that his audio up, but we'll wait till he comes back. I don't know whether can you guys yep. hear me? I, we can hear you now. Can hear you hear me? me now? I can't hear you. Or just try talking. Just make sure it's okay. Not me. Hello, hello. Oh, yeah, I'm talk? talking. I'll yeah. keep talking. Yes, Undo what you did, Alex. I'm gonna yeah. text him over here. Uh, can somebody? Can we use comms to talk to Alex? Uh, put it back the way it was. Um, this is exactly what happened. So when we t when we activated or tickled that thing, it said, "Oh, send Zoom audio to a magic place that isn't routed yet, and it's not in Alex's ear. We won't be able to hear him." Uh, I can't see. Come on, Alex, come back. Come back to us. I told him this was going to be dangerous. I'm going to pin this. Alex, can you hear me? Come on, Alex. Come on back. It's not there. It, it, it's not your mic. Hello, hello. Hello, hello. Hey. Okay, can you hear me now? There you are. Yeah, it's interesting. Okay, um, no, I know exactly what happened. What Once you activated the sound desk input thing it says oh let's steal the zoom audio and bring it into where well, what, i don't know we haven't know, patched it yet what was interesting was related to that was that it it took it away so when i i changed the source to usb or to, to mix pre 3 for zoom on both things mm -hmm. and it still was gone okay. like so i was trying to just route around it like oh i can just go back directly to yep. the mix so 3 th and it didn't this work this is good we're learning anyway. I, what we should do is we should set up the output so that you are going to be able to hear it before right. we break it. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So so when I turned off Zoom, now I can hear you fine. So, okay, so, um, let's go so now let's go back. Let's go back to the mixer then. So, so then I set actually, my output interface. No, no, no. I don't want to change it input and output yet. We're going to do some what I call blind patching. Okay. We're going to do a bunch of stuff. We're not going to see the result of it until we change our input and output. Okay? Okay. So if you look at my screen here, my channel one, I get to choose so, yeah, which okay. which one of my, oh. You also have more channels than I do. So where do I add oh. channels? Hold on, I'm realizing you're not going to get to do this. We are not going to be able to do what we need to do because you can't choose. So what I've done here is I've selected channel one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, Whoa, 15, 16, and 13, 14 for the various things that I want to plug into my mixer. And those channel numbers correspond with these channel outputs on my SoundDesk input module that I created in loopback. And here's the problem. You can't patch those in unless you change your um input device because these pull downs won't see those 16 patches. Well I have the input device set up right now. I can I can 
I can see and hear you now. I mean, I have it. If you look at mine, mine right now, it's I'm I'm in. I have sound desk input okay. right here, so I can do it. I just all I had to do is turn Zoom off in in loopback, okay. and I could hear Good you. Call. Good call. Good call. So how all many? Right, so, how, and and how do you add channels here? Uh, right click in on a channel and say add a channel. Add a stereo okay. channel. New new stereo. New stereo. Yeah. So do do seven of those. A total of seven. Okay, got it. And we're limiting it to seven. This is this is a trial and error that I came across with. I want my last fader to be my master. Okay. Right. Right. And and you don't really get to control it, so you only get eight faders, and those are linked together. So ignore mm -hmm. that. It's just one fader. Um. We now have the ability. Uh, we we now get to have seven channels left. One of them has to be an aux. Right. So we're gonna. Right click on, how do I do that? Uh, click on aux send on channel seven. Yep. Wait, that's wrong. Click on utilities for channel seven. Uh, at the bottom of that channel is a cl it close. Yep. You click on the utilities button. Where's that? Oh, there it is. I see it. Yep. Okay. And where it says aux receiver, select aux one, two. Okay. Now on channels one, two, three, and four, click. Uh, you, you have to close that button. Hit close that little panel that just popped down. And on channels one, two, three, and four, click aux send. Okay. Scroll up to the top and do a post fade feed on the top pair of knobs uh, right above it where it says off. Post fade. Do that on channels one, two, three, and four. So close. And just do it one at a time. Just, yep. just grab it, yep. open it up, say yep. post fader, and then hit close, close. And then grab this one and hit post fade and close. And I will uh, grab this one and say post fade and close. Okay. So now on channel one, Go up to the A and B. It didn't. It didn't show. It has one through six. It didn't show that with four. Is that should that be? Should I be worried about that? Um, maybe, but not yet. Okay. There's pro, there's a million reasons why that could be on channel right. on channel one where it says A and B. Select input one and input two on your pull down. Where does so it say A you, and B? So if you look at my screen right here is channel oh, one. Oh, yeah, yeah. I okay. click on this. Right. So what do, I, what do I want to do? Well, we're probably going to do one and two. Inputs one and two. Okay, I got inputs one and two in there now. All right, so now toggle or tab over to your sound desk, uh, your loopback. And what are what is patched into one and two? Your browsers? Uh, my browsers in, are in one and two. Yep. Okay, so go back to sound desk, and then in the channel strip marker, right below where it says channel one, you can type in there, just type browsers. So now we know what that is. And then um, channel two, that's what your QuickTime and VLC, I don't know what you want to call that. Let's call it, I don't know, media players. or no, you mean players. players. Okay. Players works. And change those inputs to three and four. And then they're set there now. Okay. Now, where did we patch, what did we patch Zoom into? Uh, Zoom is patched into uh, the next one, five and six. Okay. So go over 
what I what I would recommend is you go to inputs uh, channel five on your on your uh, sound desk, label that one zoom out or zoom, and then pick uh, on A and B, pick your five and six. This is going to drive you crazy uh, that all these are pat cross patched across things. Oh yeah, and and then go to the next one, uh, channel six, and call that unity. And figure out what Unity's patched into That's and patch that in. This is probably about a three-hour lab. Okay. We're learning. Let's, let's, let's answer questions real quickly. We can come back to that, too. Okay. Um, we'll, we'll do them relatively quickly here. So um, uh, next question. Jack Rupel in Breckenridge, Colorado, writes in, Can this work with 5.1 output routings to each bed? Maybe. I don't know. Yeah, we haven't tried 5.1 in there, so we'll, the, we'll get back to you on that one. Uh, next question. Stefan Fischer in Würzburg, Germany, writes in, what was the reason you rerouted the channels in the mix pre at the very beginning of the lab? What we wanted to do was we want to, we, we were setting up the, the my mic output, which is crucial to getting. Well, I think his question is, is like, why, why do it out of here? Yeah, why, why do, do you use the mix three instead of instead of the left and right the instead of the top ones? And it's because be, I think it's because it's left and right. It's no, it's the simplicity of only ever. You want to you want to be able to grab something that is just your mic, only your mic, never anything else. Right by accident, right? Yeah, and and for the record, the Dante thing is driving me bonkers. You should just get rid of that. That's madness. We don't need. So, we don't need that. So we, cool. I don't need that in my life. Very okay, good. There you go. Okay. Um. I don't even know. Oh, this is so complicated. If this seems hard, watching it is. Okay. So, so now what we want to do? Can you play something on a browser? Just open up a browser and hit something to play in YouTube. And then fade up that that fader. And then I fade up the fade number, up your browser one. Can yeah. you hear that? No, no, because we haven't done we anything with the outputs. But Everybody at least we see, see that it's in there. Yeah. And if you were to open something up in QuickTime, we could do the same thing with fader two. And, oh, here's something else we could do. Fade up fader number six, and let's get somebody in the back end to talk to Alex on comms. Someone just, yeah, fire something off in comms. There it yeah, is. They're talk, talking to you on comms. Very good. That's and cool. if you want, you can use the pan control. What is this madness you're doing? You can reorder channels. Okay. Oh, I didn't do that on purpose. <laughs> and yet here we are with a completely ruined system. Stop. You can also color code them if you noticed on my Really? Wait, yeah. where? See? 
100 Where, utilities. 100 utilities? I yeah, was thinking that. I was thinking it would be color. really good to be able to set the color. I'm I'm a color guy. I love colors. Hold on. How does it We're going to have to do another day of this, Alex. And see, no, moving think, them breaks yeah. the nail polish on the faders. We're, All right. We're, like, we're All right. like a third of the way done. Okay. Well, we will schedule another lab to continue this conversation um, because we're doing labs right now. So um, so I think we're, we're out for this hour. Hopefully that was useful for folks. Um, I recommend downloading the demos of these and playing with it. It's really, really powerful. And I will say that I think that even though we're going really slowly, um, you know, through this, I think it's worth it. I think that, that there's something about going at the speed of, I purposefully deleted everything that I had in SoundDesk and, and, and uh, Loopback. I wasn't, you know, and, and cleared everything out so that Chris would have to explain it to me because I think that that, that from a lab perspective really makes a difference. It's really hard to watch someone who knows what they're doing, just go and just do this and then do this and do this and do this. And so I think that there's something about you explaining it to me over and then people are able to ask questions. So, and again, this is a new format that we're kind of figuring out. And so what this means is that we need to do another day of it. <laughs> and, as a, and as a bit of a tease about what is coming up next, and Alex, this may inspire you to say, yeah, I want to keep working on this this afternoon. Um, I want to just show you this. So this is where we're going. The next step is to get that your outputs done. What we've done so far is your primary sound desk output, which is this pass through to these three things. And what we need to what we're going to need to do is we're going to need to make an output called input to mix pre 3 to listen. That's what I called it because it was confusing. And that's going to be my channels 1 and 2 output that go into my mix pre so that I can listen to the output of this mixer. And then you're going to need an output that's called mix pre to zoom. And the mix pre to zoom is where we come all the way back and we say, I'm taking the three, four outputs from my sound desk output and I gang in, this is where we started, the output of my microphone. And that way your mic always gets to zoom and I can mute, and I can mute everything out of the mixer by pulling down my aux send. And if you look very carefully, I know it's a little hard to see, but down here, here is my outputs one and two, coming up my left, right, here's my outputs three and four. And then up here, if you're interested, this is where you use your five and six. So five and six go to your speakers, and that's why by plugging it into here, it goes, sorry, this is a little hard to do. That's how that gets into my iMac. You I can't remember what speaker system you sent it to, yeah. but that's where right. we're. That's where we have to go next. Can I just say real quick? This is probably sure. a good time to mention the ability to save the state of both of these, right? Definitely. Uh, loopback saves automatically. It auto saves. What you're going to want to do is save uh, your SoundDesk as is. And also, I want to point out with SoundDesk. You'll notice mine says untitled. What? Fenwick, it looks like you've put a lot of work into something called untitled one. Uh, that is because I can do this, save as default. I actually have a file on my desktop that I call Everyday Mixer. And I can click it and be exactly where I am right here, although all the faders are zeroed out. But I have it set as save as default. So when I launch SoundDesk first thing in the morning, I think it even auto launches. Um, boop, boop. It opens up in this state. So it's the Can same. Can I make a real quick mine. comment? Sure. 
here's the thing. I know this seems complicated to a lot of people watching it, and you go through a lot of things, but over and over again, it's proved to me that if you understand and do the complexity first, the end result for Chris is that he now has a tactile mixer that does everything he wants it to do exactly as he wants it to do without thought. And removing well, and that complexity from your brain so that your operation is as simple as possible is yeah. so incredibly powerful to bring well, and, effort yeah, and, down and, and more time back into your life. And I look at like, for instance, one of the things I have is I have a lot of computers that are all tied into the system, but I need to manage the audio. And so I can see using Dante on all the computers and then feeding them all into the system so that I can just grab on totally. to, you know, I can move. Okay, now I'm going to show you because what happens for me is when I do presentations, uh, this is what I was thinking about while we were doing this. I, when I do presentations, I have a, I have a, a computer dedicated to presentations, right? And I have another computer that's dedicated to my Telestrator. I have another computer that's these are all Mac minis, another de dedicated to the apps. So these are, if I want to show you an application, um, I'm going to open that app and another thing. And the reason I do that is so that I can switch back and forth. Um, uh, I can switch back and forth and I, it's a, I'll tell you, it, it may seem silly, but the quality of the presentation goes up pretty much when I can just hit a, I can just cut to an application and then cut back to my presentation. Cause it's, what I'm doing is I'm going, here's all things that are important. Let me jump to a demo. Now I'm going to go back to all these other things. Let me jump to this. And so, so being able to jump to those things and not ever have to get out of anything or go back into things. But the one problem that I've had is the audio routing yeah. is getting that all working from all those computers. And I realized that this is, this is going to revolutionize that for me because I'm going to have this thing and just this move could it up totally and down. Be and... The thing. This could totally be the thing. I will also say if you're punching all those into a, a an ATEM anyway, yeah, you could use audio, photo, or video, have your ATEM audio output be one of your input, which is what I've done. Mine's called Black Magic right here. Um, boom. Everything in my Black Magic will punch in to channel four. So if you change screens that you're sharing, boom, all of a sudden now I have the audio from that screen also. Audio follow video from the HDMI input at the Blackmagic. Right. So you're using the Blackmagic video switcher as an audio submix. And then you're taking, and what are you, and it, I have to admit, I don't even know, I don't know anything about the audio and the Blackmagic switcher. So well, is there's it- There's a tab, it says is there, audio, but the, click on it. There's is, there, is there an there. output though? Is there a- uh, Oh, and it delivers it. It's just delivering it, delivers it from the, it in, it delivers from the it delivers it to your USB-C. It's just, it's just its output, yeah. That's good. But then yeah, you're always like leaving I, your mic I think channel that, up. I, I think that I probably, I'll, I'll fiddle with that. I, I'll probably want to have more control, but we'll see. Um, it, uh, honestly, it'll probably be pretty no-brainer for you. Like literally, if I see it on the screen, if yeah, but sometimes if you, I sometimes I want other things. You know those buttons in. you never push. One of them's called audio follow video. If you no, use, if you engage those buttons that you never push, and turn yeah. that on, once you take it to program that audio, I understand. Will be but sometimes I want, more, more, I want something playing in the background while I'm talking in the foreground while I'm showing something else. Like it's it's anyway. He I'm, needs the Rocky theme in the background. Yeah, know, yeah, exactly. Hero. So. So anyway, so we'll, we'll, but but I'll, I'll play with that. Um. Uh. Anyway, uh. Thank you, Chris. That was a lot of that, that was a lot of. I mean, it was super it, helpful. I, I think agree it's, with what Bill said. It, it's like a whole bunch of brain work on the head end, right? So that you can turn your brain off. Well, and 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 I think that the other thing is is just there's just a lot of learning here. And so what we want to do is start to do these um, labs where and we might get an overhead camera with 
going through a mixer and setting up a mixer and talking about why we do what we do and everything else and, and that process. And so these are all things that, you know, we're going to, um, you know, I, I think that this concept of a lab in the second hour makes a lot of sense. Um, and yeah. we'll, and this is the first one we've really done. I mean, this is the true first true lab lab, you know, mine was a little bit of a lab yesterday, but, but this is and the first I also lab, lab and I think it's that really the, good. That the concept of a, uh, an ox mix mm -hmm. might be, uh, over a lot of people's heads, but it's well, just a mixer in your mixer. It's just an, yeah, it's just another channel it's that's being mixed. It's a submix. So it's a, anyway, and we can, but I think that we're going to do more of these. And so, um, and I think that, and I think that one of the things we may do, like in this case, I think we're going to come back and do it again on another day. But I think that one of the things we may do is if we run out of time, this may be a thing where we schedule a lab in after hours to continue it so like we'll go through this and we'll go hey because we're not gonna be able to always go back to them we're, we're, we knew this month we have plenty of time to do that but in other months we may go we're gonna come back to this you know we're gonna go into that we're gonna do a lab next week and talk through it and have it more open-ended and stuff like that too I but i do like thing. that now there's a, a video archive of this so i can go back well and, and there's and and again there's a there's an overview that chris did that talks about the entire process and then there's this kind of slower version of this that kind of just creeps through the whole thing, which I think is very valuable because it's one thing to watch the presentation. It's another thing to see people like setting things up. And the goal down the road is that for apps that don't cost anything or that you can get a demo, what we're going to encourage everybody to do is, hey, we're doing the lab. Go download the demos of these um, inside of the demo period. And, and, and we can engage, you know, I think we can engage the some of the vendors that we want like if we really think it's important get one of their people to come on or someone that's a specialist and we're all going to work through this together they're just going to do a bunch of sales stuff no 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 no. not the sales guys we can get, get people to show us how to do but we want we want to do a certain thing with your product we're going to ask you a bunch of questions and there's no you know we're just going to have you walk through it so i think there's a bunch of options here anyway thanks chris incredible work yeah it's really really cool this is the model for the, the future and we're just trying to we're figuring it out and chris is the our guinea pig and he did an incredible job. So I'm um, really, really appreciate the the effort. We've been talking about ta doing this for like six months. So it's really good. Um, and see, uh, see the color on my channels. Yeah, I know. It's so cool. And um, that gradient's beautiful. The, uh, and um, thanks to the, um, to all the panelists uh, who made this work both in the first hour and second hour. Thanks to the uh, producers for all the great questions, both in the first hour, the questions are getting really good. Um, and, uh, you know, whether you're using the QR code or whether you're using the Mukana, thank you so much for throwing those questions in. Um, and uh, thanks to the incredible team on the back end that makes this happen every single day. It's, it's uh, you know, we and, and, and roll with the punches that we just gave you because <laughs> trying to figure out how to keep, like, how do we do the two up and how do we, who's, who are we cutting to? And we're figuring it out all together. So thanks to the development team that makes this happen uh, and has made this transition relatively um, smooth. Uh, thank you to um, thank you to the, uh, the the you know everyone cutting the show, managing the show, figuring out what we're doing, the councils, all those things, all those people that are making all of those things work. So we we appreciate all of your uh, your contribution. Uh, we traveled eighty four thousand miles, one hundred and thirty six thousand kilometers, and that is six hundred and seventy two million bananas for scale. All right, let's go ahead and jump into after hours. Cool, Chris. Yeah, yeah. it was good. As right as we got into this, I was like, uh, I have not really thought all of this out. 
That's how it This is the best way to start a demo. Yeah, that's how it starts. This is a request. Learn to fly, get in a plane. I broke my question, Max, but I would love to see if you talk about is there any features for commenting? Because I do the same thing. I set up this complicated thing and then I automate it so I don't have to go through it. But then when I finally do, I have no idea what I did. Why does it work the way it's you know, the, so one of the things the, that my that's... version of that, Jeff, is my is my slide deck. This right. this slide deck is crucial to me. This yeah. slide deck has is is my total brain dump from the beginning of COVID. It has like three hundred slides in it. But does Loopback have any I like also, comment no, module? No, no, no. But what I will say is that the other thing I do is I tend to tear things down a lot and then put them back together. And I specifically do it because then I start to 